What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we are doing NorCal Super 7 playlists. So, uh, yeah, a lot of pressure choosing our seven favorite Northern California punk and hardcore songs. But stay tuned. It's a, it's a great episode. Uh, also, on December 2nd, uh, Terror just put out a new 7-inch on War Records, so check that out. It's uh, four songs that they were able to find. Like when this shit went on lockdown, they went through the archives. They found four songs that like were previously unreleased, and uh, yeah, they're on a they're on a seven inch on War Records. So check that out. It just came out. Make sure you order it. War dash com. W A R dash R E C dot com. Handle business. Also, the Retaliate LP just came out last Friday. It is on all streaming platforms, so check that out wherever you stream your music. And uh, let me know what you think about it. Shoot me an email, 185milesouth at gmail.com. Please support the podcast by subscribing to it wherever you listen to it. Also, if you have time, please like it, rate it, review it. I do not know why, but that stuff matters when it comes to like the ranking of the podcast and the exposure that like the, the different platforms like put out. Uh, if you want to go the extra mile, you can go to patreon.com slash 185 miles south, become a monthly Patreon. These are my personal heroes. They keep the podcast alive. And uh, we've been doing our best that basically every interview episode, we do a Patreon podcast for it. So, uh, yeah, those are some of my favorite podcasts. And uh, $1 gets you behind the paywall. If you can help out with more, that is much appreciated. And let's get on with the pod. Hundred eighty-five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we are doing a super seven of the Bay Area, maybe, but open it up to some of NorCal. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll define the lines here in a second, but uh, helping us out, you know him, you love him. He's episode six. He is Dan Sant. What's up, Dan? What's going on? Also helping out. He's a man living in the present tense, taking it one day at a time. It's Ben Edge, a.k.a. Bedge. What's up, Ben? You got it right this time. It is one day at a time, not one step at a time. I'm glad we re-recorded the entire intro. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, the man that's setting the boundaries from NorCal. He's, he's going to put the stamp down. First timer on the pod, but glad to have him. What's up, Jeremy Lux? What's going on? Uh, first time, long time. Big fan. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I like to hear. So this was originally going to start Bay Area, and then inevitably, it's probably an argument that people in the Bay have been having forever, like what counts and what doesn't, right? And it's like <clears throat> me, someone that grew up in like the southern part of central California, Oxnard, and then San Diego, it's hard for me to think about the Bay without including – Sacramento, just because like the hoods were such a vital part of it, so I sure. ar- I argued to make sure that was in, and uh, we decided to exclude Santa Cruz because it's kind of its own thing going on. But uh, Jeremy, I'll toss it to you, and you can kind of outline the boundaries here. So I think Sacramento, yeah, even though it's outside of the Bay, but any touring band that's coming through Northern California is probably going to do Gilman and then a Santa Cruz date. 
right? Because it's a whole different town. It's a whole different scene. It's a whole different vibe altogether. So that's why I think we exclude Santa Cruz. Um, North Bay, like Petaluma has a scene, but really they're 30, 45 minutes from Gilman. And a lot of them just come to Gilman, whether it's those kids or those bands. So that's why I think it's important. Suburbs outside of, you know, the East Bay, crucial with a lot of history. So I think that's important. But to just say like, oh, Bay Area, and then like, oh, Stockton's out, Sacramento's out. We're just going to kill a lot of good bands. So I think we expanded a little bit. I also said like from from the time that I've been coming to shows at Gilman from late 90s, you see the Sacramento kids at every show. You see the, uh, you know, the kids from North Bay at every show, Vacaville, at, you know, every show. They would drive all those distances. So what would be considered like a Bay Area hardcore scene is actually including all of those satellite areas, I yeah, feel. I agree. I support it. You know, we, uh, we, we outstretched the Nardcore county lines to include Tatchby. So uh, I, I'm down for whatever. So, yeah, and oh, go ahead. Sorry. Growing up in the Bay, I think LA is all just one thing. So <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you're from Southern California. You probably are close to the town. Nope, not at all. It's like, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, we struggled mightily with um, our LA Super Seven with figuring out the geography of that, but we uh, we figured it out. We pulled through. So, yeah. can I ask you guys a question before we start? Sure. What was your first Bay Area show, and where was it? Oh my God, Daniel, let's go to you first. I gotta think. Mine was at Gilman, and it was with over my divine. No, um, I came up for that one show. I'd been to one show at Gilman, and it was um, Earth Crisis, I think, or Earth no, Earth like Gilman. Uh, Snapcase refused, maybe. I don't know. It was something in the mid nineties. Snapcase only played the Bay once with Redemption Eight Seven at Barman Hill. I only I know it sounds like yeah. I'm pulling that out of my ass, but when Snapcase just came through, I was like, I don't think they ever played the Bay, and I had to like do some googling. It was Gilman, and it was Skank and Pickle. <laughs> yeah. All right. um, well, you think about it, Daniel. We'll come yeah. back to you. Um, I was at that Redemption Eight <laughs> Seven show with uh, Snapcase at Bottom of the Hill. That was like one of the redemption last shows, and that was the one I attended. But I think prior to that, I came up and saw Powerhouse and Strife at Gilman. Oh yeah, that might have been the first one. Uh-huh. That yeah, that, I think that predates the Floor Punch show at the Cocodrie. Um, uh, yeah. So. Actually, my very first show in the Bay was Swindle at the Cocodrie. There you go. Yeah. In like. 96 yeah and what about you um the fall of 97 it was at gilman it was a trial with maybe rely it was really it was a really model american trial and no innocent victim that's it you got it wow you have a photographic memory that show was super important so rely went to high school with me and that was their last show Oh, awesome! I, I I just remember the drummer was wearing like those um, 
those like Adidas breakaways with a beeper. <laughs> and I was just like, man, this dude's hood. <laughs> that was a, that was a good look for the time. That was a good look for the time. Yeah. And, I, and it was an awesome show. And that was, I think the first time I saw trial and I stayed it at a friend's dorm in SF state and on the same floor as Tim Presley, who was going at uh, San Francisco state at the time. Yeah. Um, who had, you know, model American, they had just played that show. So that was cool. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's a good show. All right, so let's kick it off. Daniel, two things. First off, can you uh, break the rules down for anyone that hasn't listened before? And then also, can you tell the order of the role? Yeah. So we do a thing called the Super 7. So everyone picks seven songs to make a playlist, and then we'll put them up against each other for the listeners to vote on who had the best list. The way we do it is very similar to the fantasy football. So the band isn't off the table, but the song is once it's selected. So that's why it gets a little bit strategic and competitive, like so we can uh, break down who gets what. Um, the order of the roll is Jeremy and I rolled the same number, but we did a, a playoff and I won. So I'm pick one. Jeremy is pick two. Zach is pick three. And bringing up the rear is the wonderful Bench. Ben got the Nard Curse roll, and uh, let's kick it off. Daniel, what's your first pick? Actually, the best part is Ben thought that his low roll meant <laughs> he got number one pick, <laughs> and he was gloating. And then we had to inform him that he got the last pick. <laughs> he, he was playing. Yeah, he was playing threes, not CeeLo. Yeah. So my first pick, I am going with not only one of the best what would be considered potentially, you know, some people may think it's controversial, yes. but we've all agreed, well, <laughs> we've all grudgingly agreed, some people grudgingly, not me, that this band counts as a Bay band, and this song would be on my list of, like, maybe top 25 songs ever, let alone uh, Bay punk and hardcore. So I'm going with Kiss the Bottle by Jawbreaker. Yeah, I, I mean, I love tons and tons of Jawbreaker songs, but this is by far my best. That there's very rare things about songs that when it gets to the second verse, like the way the second verse comes in, you're like, oh my god, this is the best part of the song. You know, normally it's either the verse melody or the chorus or the bridge, but by the time it gets to the second verse and it, it comes out of the chorus and it goes, it gets lonely as that night. Like, holy fucking shit, it, it hits me right in the heart. Um, the song has definitely brought tears in the past when I've been going through some shit from time to time, and um, it's an absolute, incredible, beautifully written song, and if any of the listeners haven't heard it, I really recommend uh, throw on your Spotify kiss. Well, we'll have a playlist and it'll be on it, but kiss the bottle by Jawbreaker Number one selection on my list. What do you guys think? Well, it'll be the first song on the playlist too. So it'll be easy for everyone to find. Uh, I feel, yep. I feel you on the second verse thing. That's something that I've always enjoyed as like a diehard bad religion fan. A lot of their songs, like in their prime years, 
the second verse is the best because just the way it comes in out of the chorus, like usually it's a it's a switch back to the hi hat, so it sounds like super drivey and it's back in. You're just like yeah. So I feel that, yeah. and this is a song similar, although it's it's a mid tempo song, so you don't have like it's not the same feeling as a bad religion song, but I just think that a lot of great songs, you know, when you get the second verse, because it's like when you think about songwriting, the second verse is basically like you're starting the song over, but you're doing a different take on it with a different set of lyrics. And that second verse on a great song, I really do think is like the money spot of the song. That's why like there's lots of really, really good songs out there. And when like the singer, like, just repeats the first verse again. It's like a serious bummer a lot of the times, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's lazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's lazy. Um, Jeremy, what do you have on this? This, so this is one of those bands that all my peers love and I don't. And I try every couple of years. I'm like, I got to get into this. I got, let me try it again. Let me try it again. And it never connects. I, it's not that, rock it's too this I just, I just like don't get it the same way other people do and i know people are like oh you're fucking crazy how could try this album just do this and i'm like eh, eh. jeremy's never had his heart broke by the way uh, no that's not okay <laughs> no that has nothing to do with it it's the sound <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> by the way I i've do... never curb stomped anyone either but i listen to a lot of ignorant shit <laughs> <laughs> well i definitely want to say that it's Cigarettes, they fill the gap, not uh, It Gets Loneliest at Night. It Gets Loneliest at Night is the first line, and I don't want people to be like, oh, you picked that song. It's cigarettes, they fill the gap. That's the part where it comes back in after the chorus. Yeah, in a broken um, I just was thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Go on, Pat. Oh, no, I was just singing the song. Like, it fills the gaps yeah. in our broken teeth. That's fucking ill. Yeah. Ben, what do you have on this, if anything? Um, I'm a, I, I, I like Jawbreaker. I don't love Jawbreaker the way other people love them, um, but I like them. And um, this is not a go-to song for me, so I don't really have anything on this song. But my my favorite song by them, and it's, it's not one of my picks, so I'm going to say it right now, is The Boat Dreams from the Hill, the first song on 24-Hour Revenge Therapy. Um, that's just a perfect song to me uh but their their entire jawbreaker records that i just ne- i own them all but i never find myself listening to in fact i don't even know what record kiss the bottle is on can you tell us it was a seven inch on shredder to start but now it's on the uh etc so like compilation of all comp tracks and and uh seven inches Right. I believe it, it was on a it was on a triple seven inch comp called the Mission District that came out in nineteen ninety two is where it came from. On Mission Merchants Records. But uh yeah. Okay, Jeremy, let's go to you for your number one pick. All right. So number one I feel like um my picks are gonna be a little bit more personal. No, I don't want you looking at my list. I think my picks are gonna be a little bit more personal. But I think this is one that I can imagine we all agree on, and it's going to be Ceremony Curse. All right. That band, from the first show in the lobby to everything they've done, is, I've just kind of been there for the whole ride. And a little biased because 
some of those dudes are real good friends of mine and they've taken me to Europe and kind of all over. But that song, maybe, I don't want to say the biggest hit, maybe? Don't you think that one gets the best reaction? Around here. Oh, yeah, around here. But that song, so pack your fistful of hay, take a swing at the world. He wrote those lyrics while in jail. Before there was music, which is odd. He presented lyrics and said, write music to this. And that song is so fucking good. It is. It was, it's on my second list. As a backup? Yeah. So, Ceremony, their live shows, even how they've changed and evolved, you know, along the way. I don't want to be like, oh, their demo's the best. I, I just think this song, for the time period and everything else, represents the It'll look good on the comp, on the Super 7 compilation that you're putting together. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you know, that's that's always a question for singers. Like, you know, do you write to the music or do you write, do you have like a book of rhymes, right? Or do you have a book of poetry? Yeah. And so that's super rad that like that's the way like this song was approached. Um, Ben, how do you feel about this this song and this band? Um. They change their sound so many times that sometimes they change their sound in a direction where I'm into it. And sometimes they change their sound in a direction that I'm not into. So strangely, the only records I really like by them are Ronert Park mm-hmm. and, and in the spirit world now, which I don't know how, how that went over. That was the last one they did. The one they did last year. That sounds a lot like Devo. I, I really lo- like yeah. that one. Yeah. I think that one was, Better than the L-shaped man, which was kind of in between it. Yep. I think they found that sound, that Devo sound a little bit better with that one. And Rotor Park was sort of the tail end of their punk, uh, thrashier stuff. Right. I, I, I like that. Was, I like it everything by them. What was cool about Rotor Park is that it wasn't as thrashy. It was more just like a punk record. The stuff yeah. before it was more like, a hardcore band thrashing around. Roner Park is punk. Yeah. Roner Park is punk. Zoo is like Wire. L-shaped Man is like Joy Division, and In the Spirit World Now is like Devo. That's the way I think of it, even though it's not you know exact one to one. But sure. no, but that's fair. Yeah. I, and I, that, that's I, fair. Yeah, I, it totally seems like Ceremony is a band that wants to be put in a single band box like that. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I'm saying those are fair evaluations of sound alikes. No, it was a nice breakdown. Know. It's just it's ironic for a, a band that's always like pushing the boundaries to be like, all right, that one sounds exactly like this band. This one sounds exactly like that band. Yeah, <laughs> it's like well, exactly I think that's what. Unfortunately, they've had critics sum them up like that. Um, when it comes to reviewing a new record, you know, they don't give them credit for writing their own music. They say, oh, this sounds like this. The end. And even when they play live now, they mix it all. And it's like, how the fuck do you mix it? You know, this, but but it still works. Yeah. My wife went and saw him on this last tour and she hadn't seen him in, I don't know, seven years. So she was a little like, what's going on? What is this? But like, it flows and it works. And it still was like, hey, yeah, the great show. The um, la- the last show I ever saw was the first show ever by the band Spice, which has uh, oh, yeah. the, singer, the singer of Ceremonies' new band. That record. So that was that was in March. You know, one week before the um, 
the lockdown. I didn't think they got to play a show, but I guess they did before that. Right? Yeah, right. it was in L.A. It was in L.A. opening for um, um, what can I think of their name right now? They were incredible. Uh, this no. the guy, this this singer of oh my god. I listen to this band way more than I listen to Spice, and I can't think of the name of the band. It's another ex-hardcore guy doing doing a post-punk. It'll, it'll come to me. Yeah, it's Ben like, Ben Cooks Ben Cooks current band Young Go Young Go Young Go. Yeah, they were so good. Anyway, yeah, lit him up, lit his head up like a fucking Christmas tree. But enough about you, Ben. Um, <laughs> let's see here. All right, um, my number one. This is hard as fuck because do I go with my heart or do I play defense against Bedge? And I think I'm going to go defense against Bedge and I'm going to take the Avengers. We are the one classic danger house, punk rock, 1977. Um, The singer's voice is fucking awesome. It's like that drivey straight in the lane, classic first wave punk. And I absolutely love it. This song is so aggressive in like the mid tempo style, but also like very catchy, like in the best yeah. way possible. And uh, yeah, I need it on my list. And Ben may have taken it. Ben, did I steal or no? Yes, you did. You stole. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, that was going to be my second pick. Oh, I could have still got it. But uh, Ben, what do you think about this band and this song? It's the first Northern California punk band I ever heard, and I think it might be the first Northern California punk record, period, unless you count that Crime 7-inch, which is also great. Um, It's like perfect. So Avengers, we are the one. It's like perfect mid-tempo California punk that fits right in with the Danger House catalog. And why is the drumming so good? Because Homeboy is from Huntington Beach. So SoCal smashing it from day one. Um, <laughs> and anthemic lyrics about uh, the youth grabbing power for themselves. And they opened up for the Sex Pistols in 1978 at the last Sex Pistols show ever until, of course, the Sex Pistols got back together in the 90s. Um, and they put out a 12-inch EP that Steve Jones produced. And my dad helped finance it there were like maybe four people who pooled their resources and and put that record out and my dad was one of them which which is pretty fucking cool <laughs> so is that why that's the first norcal punk band you've ever heard because your dad no it's because my dad's friend gene scalati made me a made me mixtapes oh. of of old punk bands and he put we are the one on it got it they so put gene. a lot of a lot of avengers songs yep shout out gene Ben, excuse me, Daniel, how do you feel about this? Um, I, I knew this this song and this band was going to be selected pretty quickly. Um, it's, like you say, I mean, I don't need to retread what you said. Classic punk. Um, such a cool look to, to their record covers. Awesome hair. <laughs> love it. I love the band name, too, based on an old English uh, 60s show. I think there's a movie franchise based on it, but whatever. <laughs> Jeremy, is this like uh, considered canon in the Bay? Like, do people still ride for this? Mm, different circles. Yeah. 
Fair like enough. on your cool uncle's playlist, maybe. But like, <laughs> yeah, no, there are circles of it. I like it. I, I'm do my list isn't so much as what's important to Northern California as what might capture the time for me or what's meant the most to me growing up. Not to say Avengers not important. It's just not my top. It's still good, but it's not like it's not making me want to like jump off the couch and. Hey, go hey you, got, you got your own list, man. I got mine. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ben, let's go to you for your number one. Punk ain't no religious cult. Punk means thinking for yourself. You ain't hardcore because you spike your hair when when jocks still live inside your head. Yeah. Nazi punks, fuck off. Dead Kennedys. Yeah. Fuck Nazis. Fuck Donald Trump. Fuck Ronald Reagan. Fuck alt-right. I hate that euphemism because all those people are fucking Nazis. This is a timeless song. This is the fucking song for all time. And it's like, I I wrote that it's the ultimate theme song for all of punk throughout all of history. And it's sheer justified anger and rage. And it's also pure distilled hardcore music. Like, this is what hardcore music sounds like. I said that same thing about Revenge by Black Flag. So this would be the NorCal equivalent of that. And, and uh, the lyrics are really straightforward, but they're also intelligent. And it's not just like racism bad, you know? It's yeah, like yeah. Jello Biafra is still schooling you because he's teaching you about systematic and institutional racism when he says, you think swastikas look cool. The real Nazis run your schools. They're coaches, businessmen, and cops. In the real Fourth Reich, you'll be the first to go. So he's saying, you know, you walk around thinking you're cool with your little swastika arm band, punk rocker boy or girl. But, you know, the people who run the country are, are, are the real Nazis. And they'll throw you in an oven before you can blink if they, if they have the chance. So Nazi punks fuck off. Oh, and one other thing. This is really interesting. And I don't know if you all know this. But the entire band recorded this live, vocals and everything. And um, you can hear him say, this is take four at the beginning. And, and, you know, Nazi punks fuck off, take four, overproduced by whoever it is. But this, the entire session was videotaped, and you can go to YouTube, and you can see them playing the, this very version of the song you've heard a trillion, a trillion times on record. So you can actually watch the band playing you know, the final take and, and other takes. So it's like, what other song can you say that about? What other classic song can you say that about? You can actually watch, you know, them yeah. playing the song. Yeah. It's awesome. If someone uh, pays off Eric Andre, you can watch retaliate play born to lose seven times in a row, but, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. This is, this is, Ill. You- this is ill as fuck. Daniel, how do you feel about this? I mean, this is one that is was on the cusp, and and so I was maybe going to go for it, maybe not. Um, I think it is, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant, and you can totally hear the way he delivers these vocals compared to many other songs that this does sound super live. Um, I love the fact that it's zeroing in on the scene. I love the punk songs that are self-referential, like, you know, how Straight Edge is 
basically a political choice within what people expected of punk. So it's zeroing in on the scene and commenting on it. I love that this is zeroing in on, especially like definitely uh, with a nod and a wink towards Orange County for sure. You know uh, how the scene was down there when, you know, these bands would come down and tour. They'd be like, these are just fucking jocks. <laughs> yeah. All like there's nothing punk about this. Um, so I love that it's talking about how everybody's a Nazi outside, like in the power structure, but it's also saying, unless you free this from your fucking brain, you're the same. Yeah, that was a you sick know? take. I love, yeah, I love it. Jeremy, how do you feel about this? I, I I agree with all of it and kind of what Ben said is it's still so relevant to the past week. You know, I mean it's just like kind of crazy how I do agree it's their best song and it's their fucking rawest and he's not over enunciating every word like he does on so much other stuff that this one is just right to the, well, I don't want to say right to the point because it's making most of the point but it's their best song I agree yeah it's probably definitely the most straightforward Daniel let's go to you for your number two alright I'm going to play a little bit of defense right now myself because I haven't even chosen what my number one on my list is yet but I wanted to make sure I got these other ones that could have been contentious and this is going to be one of them so I am picking it now about base redemption 87 yeah that bass intro perfect the vocals, perfect. The rage and the, oh, just everything about it. It's just such a good song. And for that indecision comp to be filled with so many good songs and this to be, to me, the absolute standout shows how good it is. And uh, anytime Redemption 87 would play and this song, they'd start this song, it was like, the set got ramped up by 10. It like went fucking nuts. Um, I absolutely love it. And I, I love this band. And uh, I really love seeing them as they just kind of formed. They would play SoCal quite a bunch back then. And, uh, you know, be like, oh shit, it's, you know, the guy from Unit Pride, the guy from uh, Token, Entry. Token Entry and you know, the guy from Scam and Pickle. Come on. Yeah. And, and someone's grandfather on drums. <laughs> Rancid's roadie. <laughs> and um, it's just fucking awesome. And I, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to get it. <laughs> yeah, that comp, you know, it's kind of a weird time for hardcore music. And it really does stand out on it. <clears throat> it is the second best track on the comp behind Utah 2. Old, you know, collateral damage. Shout out, but uh, <laughs> other other than that, yeah, this is second best song on that record, and it's one of the best Redemption Eight Seven songs. So ill, ill band, crucial band, and Jeremy Eric booked a ton of shows up there, right? Yeah, he, he booked a ton of shows. Redemption also canceled a ton of shows, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, 
what I love about that record, I don't, I don't actually, I don't even know what comp you're talking about. The Indecision, but Indecision Records comp. Yes. Guilty Guilty by. By. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, because, um, real quick, Jeremy, because that comp comes out in 95 and the Redemption 87 LP comes out in 96. Yeah. So, the LP, I couldn't stop looking at it because I had a, the collage, right? Of like who's who and like, I don't want to say behind the scenes, but like hanging out photos, show photos, wacky photos. Like, it was one of those, I think it was, I forget which Beastie Boys album. Where it was check your head. Check your head. And a similar thing where you just couldn't stop staring at all the pictures and recognizing friends or people. And just, it's one of those I just remember staring at for a long time. And that record, I mean, we'll go to my choice next, but it, Redemption as well. So you guys can talk about it about Faith too. Ben, I don't know. Yeah, Ben, what do you got on this? Um, I, I was listening to this recently and I was thinking, man, I just want to play this song in front of an audience. Like I want to play this song like with whoever, like, like on either bass or vocals, just like, it just makes me want to play music. Like, um, and I had this idea, like what if I was in a band and we just called Eric Ozine, does he still live in Portland or is he back yeah. in the Bay area? He's in Portland. He's moved back to the Bay area, but he's in Portland. So with his family, just call him and be like, Yo, my band's coming up to Portland, and we learned a shitload of your songs, and you're gonna, <laughs> and we're gonna force you to sing them at this show. You're gonna come to the show. You have no choice, and you're gonna sing these songs. Wow! Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's like a fantasy of mine. Like we learned like three Redemption '87 songs and three Nerve Agent songs, as and we're gonna play our own songs too, of course. But we're gonna make you come up, come up on stage and do these songs. Um. This is this is my favorite Redemption eighty seven song and yeah, it totally stands out on that comp because it was at a time when fast, straightforward eighty sounding hardcore was virtually extinct. And it that I was like a crusader for that kind of stuff. Um because that's that's what I got into. That was my thing. It's like you can't expect someone if someone gets into hardcore because it's a an a harder, faster version of punk and then all of a sudden the hardcore now is no longer faster and it's no longer punk how can you expect that person to like that kind of music i know i'm i'm on a getting on a kind of a theoretical tirade but like you know it i didn't sign up for earth crisis even though yeah, i right. like the song firestorm or whatever but like that's not what i got into it for i got into it for bands like Redemption 87. So when they came along, it was like, thank God, finally, like them and Ignite and a few other bands, but they're great. And, and, um, um, you know, Eric was a great guy or is a great guy. So it's cool for people you like and respect. Uh, but the people who play the music you like to also be good people who you respect. Yeah. That is a happy coincidence when that happens. Yeah, I think we can make your uh, dream come true. So post COVID, we'll uh, get your band up to Portland. We'll get Eric to sign on. It'll be a another <laughs> 185 miles south of America. <laughs> we'll make it happen. <laughs> Jeremy, let's go to you for your number right two. Uh, so for my number two, we'll just stay on the topic of Redemption 87. Can't break me. Um, just for the Thank pure sing alongs, the pylons, just like. You could be new to hardcore, just need to know those three words and jump on someone. You know what I mean? It was just so much fun. There, 
they were so raw and basic and catchy and his vocal i mean it's like ah, you just, it just doesn't get old <laughs> and it only got better you know with nerve agent and on eric when gorilla biscuits played gilman last year or was that this year yeah last uh last year i think in march of last year 19 that eric rosine showed up to the show and it was like his first time at gilman in 10 12 years so he got punished brutally well, also, they tried, they tried to get him to come up and sing a Uniform Choice song, and he bailed on it. He yeah. didn't want to do it. I don't think he knew it. Not on the spot. And it's not a little dusty, a little rusty. But he brought his wife and kids to the show. She grilled biscuits along with everyone else. But it was kind of cool to see him there again, because that's someone I admired going to shows, looking up to him and just going, this dude's so cool. His moves, the way he would go nuts. Yeah. What I love about his voice too is like everyone you know has the Ray Capo uh, you know comparison, but really if you actually listen to them side by side, besides having a bit of a growl, they have a really different tone. You know. Well, they're uh, they're both going for antidote. Yeah, I would yeah. say. Yeah. I didn't know. I only knew antidote because of redemption, right? Because I think I couldn't. How do I find out? Well, you didn't have that seven inch? Yeah, like, right. Yeah, it's a hardcore. And I think a negative approach. You know, same type of thing. Yeah, they used to always cover yeah. something must be done. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, redemption is shit. All right. I'm going to go yeah. on to mine number two. And I'm stoked because I was able to play defense on Bedge and got the one, the number one that I wanted, which is Powerhouse, Nothing Sacred, off of uh, that CD that someone needs to put out on vinyl, No Regrets, Blackout, yeah. 1997. Maybe we should put it out. Well, yeah, I think they were going to try and get Blackout to put it out for the 20-year anniversary, but that didn't happen. So. Yeah, another COVID but, nightmare, huh? But uh, Yeah, they, they, but that is the one. Yeah, it's got to come out one day. This song is so ill. You know, the way it comes in with, like, the ring outs and the chokes and then, like, the lyrics being so direct, especially, uh, I think it's the second verse, like, sheep motherfuckers don't know what it's about. Stick together and keep them all out. Like, I love how Daniel Daniel was talking about, like, songs about the scene. Like, I, I don't think everything has to be big picture because, like, people that are into hardcore, a lot of us, like, this is a giant part of our life you would be lying to yourself to not want to like sing about that sometimes. And so like some bands do it in such a way that is just so infectious and rad. And this is one of them. And now the breakdown on the song with like the long bass part, like that goes, and then like yeah. the buildup that goes forever. It is so <laughs> fucking ill. You know, it's coming, you know, it's coming, you know, it's coming. You know it's coming. Yeah. And then it finally comes and you're like, fuck. And then they just belt into like the greatest sing along ever. And then like there's a, a little like another part, like just, you know, we're back on the toms. Like, and then they're like, we're hitting it again. And then they hit another <laughs> sing along on the breakdown. It's like, oh my God, dude. This is literally one of the greatest hardcore songs of all time by one of my favorite bands of all time. It still holds up today. I listened to it 
at least I listen to this whole record at least once a month. It never got old. It sounds like nothing else. The drumming is just fucking insane. Doing like kind of yeah. the the punk cheat beat with the hands. Yeah. But he's doing do that do that do that with the kick. And it's just like, fuck, everything about this I love. It's just so ill. And uh Jeremy, how do you feel about this? Um I love Taraf. I mean, Chris is one of my best friends. I called him a week ago to talk about this. And I was like, what's the one song, Powerhouse? Like, if you had to give someone one song to listen to, and it was nothing sacred or ignorant one that he thought would be like, those are the two we get the best out of. My wife picked a controversial song that I said, no one picked that song. What are you talking about? And But she's like, you're just bopping your head to uh, Bulletproof, which is not, it's, it's a slower jam song off the second album. But I was like, no, no, this song, this song, this song over that. It's still great. Bulletproof is a great song, but it's not all these other songs. And go back to Nothing Sacred. I think, doesn't end with Get Your Own Punk? Do you know what I mean? Get Isn't that your line? own punk. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> it's like, keep this shit out of the mall, dude. This shit's for us. Yeah, and Powerhouse again, same thing. Just because I've gone on tours with those guys and hang out with Eddie and Chris a lot. Um, fucking Ernie was something else; he really was. And uh, just growing up as suburban kid, hanging out with those guys, I was like, "Oh boy, oh boy, what's gonna happen?" You know, because it was always a fucking party; it was always a scene. Right, it was just a whole other world that I I loved, and Powerhouse plays a huge part in that. Yeah, absolutely. This is the best. Daniel, what's your opinion on this? Um, did you see them? Oh, you've seen them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. billion times. Um, I, you know, this was like built to last brother band. You know, yeah. So, um, I would see them. You know when they would come to like Corona or, or, you know, basically when they'd come South or when Bill Salas would go kind of North, like I'd see them as well. And I always just loved the energy that they brought. The one thing I think about this era of hardcore Bill Salas included on as well, is that sometimes the songs like they would do verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus to, you know, a little too formulaic and the songs would be a little bit too long. But this song's epic and I do love the drawn out breakdown where you're like, oh, where is this going? You know, is this coming in? Oh, and then when it arrives, it is such a payoff. Yeah. I think that this record has more of a wild style and is not as, as predictable as you're talking about. Um, it is, it's so I, nice. I'm not saying necessarily just powerhouse. I'm saying like no, a lot of this the, era of the yes, yeah, yeah, the sick of it all esque yeah. bands. No, I can agree with that, and and I also agree that ignorant one is a another great one to have. I actually shared that with Ben the other day because I was like, check out this song. It checks two boxes because it's an anti-racist song plus it has an anti-breakdown. You know, instead of like doing a breakdown, it just goes fast at the end which uh, yeah. is another thing that I'm marking out a lot on these days. And yeah, I mean, there's so much good shit on this album, you know, like should have known. Dun, 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 dun. I should have dun, 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 known. 
And then, like, with the woes on the part, you know, like, oh, I should have realized. Like, this album has so much fucking swagger and, like, confidence and YOLO mentality. Like, it's just, uh, it's, it's perfect. It needs to get on vinyl so, like, it gets memorialized, like, the way it needs to be. Because, like, a lot of the mid-90s and late-90s stuff, you know, that CD only, it just it kind of gets lost a little bit to history where like, if something's on vinyl, I just feel like it's a little more permanent and this, yeah. re- this record's begging for it. Um, yeah. Camel clutch records, 2021. Fuck. Yeah. Hit up that Patreon fellas. <laughs> we'll make it happen. <laughs> you know? Um, all right, Ben, let's go to you for your number two. All right. I can't believe we've gotten two rounds deep and none of you picked Ed Kennedy's. And none of you picked Operation Ivy? Come on, man. I'm going Operation Ivy Knowledge. This is the first song on their only album, uh, Energy. Energy. And it's also, if you have the CD discography, it's the first song on that too, pretty sure. Um, It's one of the only bands who ever mixed ska with punk and didn't suck. Um, sorry, sorry, real big fish or whoever the fuck, dude. That all that shit sucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, had to knock on wood. I love that. Song. <laughs> I love that. Song, and, and the um, yeah, a few other points I wanted to shine a light on with uh, Operation Ivy is they sound like they're playing on the worst borrowed shitty equipment but they're so good that it doesn't matter and um the song starts with just singing and guitar chugging which is like totally became a horrible pop punk cliche in the 90s but this is before it was a cliche and it's awesome here it totally works um and the song is a total sing-along and if you're not singing along to this song you don't have a pulse yeah yeah it's hop ivy everyone loves it you got to Daniel, how do you feel about this? Well, I know that Ben only selected this song because he was pulled out of the crowd by Green Day to play it <laughs> and uh, jump on the guitar and play it with them at some concert in a in a. Uh... <laughs> no, just kidding. I also have Operation Ivy on my list. Spoiler alert. All right. um, but I didn't choose this song, so I'm really glad this song got on there because it is probably my number two um i mean i this there were times in my teens where i was considering an off ivy tattoo like it just you know that band for a few years was arguably one of the most important bands in my life after they you know stopped being a band and it seems like ages ago since they stopped being a band when i was first into them but really it was only like a year and a half, you know, which is crazy. Um, it's awesome for a band to have done a seven inch, an LP and a comp track. And it just, the discography means so much to so many people all over the world. Uh, incredible band. It's like minor threat status. Agreed. Yeah. It's like, it's like everything you ever did is good. And it all fits on one CD. Yeah. 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 I 
Yeah, I love the band. I, I agree with the whole mixing of ska thing because it's, thank God there's no horns. Um, <laughs> it just has like a, yeah, and Matt Freeman on bass just rules. He can make any basic song, spice it up with his doodling, noodling, and just the fucking, the talent of that guy is insane. Um, and that was just the beginning of it. He wasn't like quite the bass master he is now. Um, I would have picked a different Al Ivy song. I even though knowledge is the correct answer as far as their biggest song and puppy, but I won't I won't step on Daniel's toes. All right. For what probably would be. Cool. Well let's go back to Daniel for your number three. All right. I am now gonna pick the number one song on my list when I think of Bay Punk Hardcore. The number one song I have to choose is The List by Phil. It, when we're talking about other songs that are referential about punk and hardcore, like this song is exactly talking about that, about people just leaving the scene and like not giving a fuck, and the list is thousands long. But then it, it awesomely, at the end, says maybe the list is only hundreds long, and, and it starts talking about kids new blood being in the scene being so important um um jake from phil's voice is so fucking epic and the way this guitar does the uh just riding on one string like that intro is amazing when the drums kick in it has elements of um, a little bit, you know, like exploited esque. Um, I fucking love this song. This has been one of the most important punk songs in my life from the minute I've heard it still to this day. Like, if I'm, you know, we've done things where we've talked about songs of the 90s and stuff, and this was on my list back then, and it's on my list now, and it is the list by Phil. Yeah, the song's gotten lots of love on the pod. Uh, Jeremy or Ben, anything you want to say on this? Uh, yeah, I think that band is his vote. He's scary. Just yeah. like, oh, like so wrong. Did you go to his? They played shows again, like I five years so. ago or something. No. They played, and then I think I felt like they started to play too many shows. Like no, when they, they did, like well, they played that one Gilman show, and but it, then they and played it, the the Parkside and something else, and it's like oh, the moment's gone. Right, it sort of spoiled it, but uh, yeah, no. And this is another record I revisited uh, this past week and doing some research, so to speak, just kind of refreshing on some stuff. And other people that I was getting like, "Hey, what would you pick? What would you pick?" Phil made like the, you know, the top ten. Like it was, it was everyone brought up Phil for sure. That rules, Jeremy. Let's go to you for your number two. Three, three. Oh, number three. My bad. Fuck. Need a new host. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go back to Powerhouse. Yeah, Ed, are you okay with that? Okay. There's <laughs> no such thing as too much Powerhouse on this pod. Okay, the song Power Trip. Yeah, because you want to talk about locals, Oakland like, Police Department. It, it starts with a skit, and then you're like, "Yo, let's go to the taco truck," and then bump, bump, bump. Yo, who is it? Oakland Police Department. Oh shit. 
This is the city, Oakland, California. Like it could have been the first song on the album. Yeah. Like just that whole intro and everything. And it's like, again, about cops, you stupid bitch. Why you got to give me shit? Like running your mouth, another power trip. Like, fuck. again, a song that's still very, I mean, people hating on cops probably will never go out of style, but just the whole power trip, that song, sing along the skit and ending like you said what is a perfect album yeah yeah you fucking power tripping yeah it's another one where it's like they just nail it out of the fucking park so yeah good. It's, so good yeah yeah i don't know what else to say about it. also like i generally don't like skits that much but this one is like it's just part of the song and it's so short and so good for what it is. It's like the, the Warzone intro one, right? It's like, I don't consider that a skit because it's like part of the song and makes the song better. And this, the, yeah, this we're is the same. That. It's the best part of the Warzone record. And I love every song on the Warzone record. Yeah. Like this is like kind of the same way in that, like it just adds to the song is super short, but gives it like a ton of flavor and fuck. Yeah. This song is great. I mean, you yep. pick you pick any song off this record. I love the whole Powerhouse ride. I love like I don't have the demos, but I heard them and I like them. But let's seven. Yeah, so I listen to Power Trip on the demo, and it's like it's like fucking ten times faster. It's almost like I, I don't like it as much. It's wild. It's just so yeah, which is it's like Powerhouse faster. That's crazy. <laughs> That's right. Um, fuck. Back to me, huh? All right, my number three. Let me. I should have been ready. Um, let's see. Okay, I gotta go with. I'll just go with my heart again and get the stuff out that I really, really need. I'm going hoods once again. 1998. I think that the Alone EP is perfect hardcore in a post agnostic front one voice world, um, where there's a lot of bands that like do the style of. It's not like Youth Crew. It's not metal. It's just real fucking hardcore. And they are walking pretty close to the metal line on some of this. Like, uh, what's the last song? Endless Pain, I believe, is like pretty yeah. fucking metal. But this is just yeah. like, maybe the song, the third song on this record, Cycles, is probably the best oh. song on it. Yeah. But like, I'm, yeah. I'm leaning, once again, 1998, because like you were talking about with the powerhouse, the power trip, it's like, you take a song that was like recorded before, you made it even better somehow. Because usually, like, bands yeah. re-record shit, it gets worse. This is, like, you re-record it, it gets better. And then just, like, any song where it comes in and your fucking hands just, like, want to go in the air, like, that's an ill fucking song. You know, like, I'm I'm trying to think of other songs that I feel like that about. Like, maybe the first song on, like, the Unbroken Life, Love, Regret LP, like, that riff comes in and you just, like, you want to, like, throw your hands in the air, like, oh, yeah. You know, and then like this is like the same way, like once again, 1998, you know, and then just the way it kicks in with like kind of, I don't know, like it's kind of like feels like it's a fast part, but they're like delaying it, you know, and then the way it breaks out for the breakdown heavy on the bass and then in on that break is like so hard and they're able to like make these really fucking hard parts while being on the ride, which is ill as fuck and this no no well i'm just saying like this six song cd is fucking perfect again just like powerhouse i love the whole journey i like 
all the hood shit from the you know the back to basic seven inch all the way through the last album they did the Gato Negro is the last one I believe. Um, uh, all the way to the new T-shirt. Yeah, well, I, I like <laughs> I like I like the whole ride of the music and uh, but this is just like I don't know what was in the room or in the air or like where they were in the songwriting process, but this shit is just perfect hardcore. I think doesn't get mentioned enough. And another one that's CD only and needs to get put onto vinyl at some point. Um, Jeremy, how do you feel about this? So it's my it's my favorite Hoods lineup and my favorite Hoods release. So I think that was the first time Ben recorded with them. And Mario on bass, Jeremy on drums, and Mike Hood. I don't think there was, yeah, there wasn't a second guitar. And it had like, you know, that cold as life feel at times. But Cycle, Cycle or Cycles, I don't know, that song. Like when that came out and like, this time you die, I feel nothing. Like so fucking hard. And just, it, it's definitely my favorite. I think on the back, what's on the back of the CD? Do you remember? Is it a live shot? I feel like it's just Mikey playing guitar, no? Like playing like a red mm. guitar. I'll have to pull it up. Because I think I'm on the back of it <laughs> in, in the crowd, like getting, you know, moshed on. Maybe it's a different comp or something I'm thinking of. But I, I, I love the hoods. I remember Ben's first show and just it brought new life to it. And it was just, they were so good. And his voice is like perfect on this too. Like kind of like in the, like the AF again, like one voice-esque and like how Roger yeah. would sound now. But going a little bit yeah. further, but then not like, not like the marshmallow falling off the stick, like Rick the Life, you know? Yeah, right, right. So, it's still eligible. You can understand for the most part what he's saying. Yeah, he's just like right in the fucking pocket. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely love it. Is that on Breakout? I have it right here. I can tell you, it is on Breakout. Yeah. Who? San Ramon. <laughs> San Ramon, shout out. And yeah. Badge, let's go to you for your number three. I'm going to go with Skate and Destroy by the Faction from San Jose, California. Um, I saw these guys in February, a few days before they played what they're saying is their last show ever. Yeah. Which is perfect timing because it ended up being everyone's last show ever. (laughs) Um, But but they are uh, most known for their guitarist and sometimes bassist Steve Caballero, who is one of the greatest skateboarders to ever live. But this band rules so hard that I wish he was equally known for being a skateboarder and being in this band. Uh, I think he's just one of those people who's a natural at everything he tries. Like, I think he didn't, I think he became pro in, in a very short period of time after picking up a skateboard. And I think, the faction recorded their first record in a very short period of time after he first picked up an instrument. So he's just one of those. I think everyone knows someone has someone like that in their life where it's like, how are you so fucking good at everything you do? Jesus Christ. I hate to like save some talent for the rest of us. Um, Skate and destroy is the first song you hear in the first skate video ever made, which is the bones brigade video show. 
and it just doesn't get any better than that. This might be the ultimate skate punk anthem. And uh, I tried my hand at the, I, the I tried my hand at the genre. Yep. No, no the <laughs> ultimate skate punk anthem is by a certain band called Fields of Fire, and it is a song called Skate Punks. Skate Punks. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, nothing compares to this song, and nothing makes you want to skate, skate harder than Skate and Destroy. So that's my pick. 1983. Yeah. And did a record on Mystic in 1986 on one of those weird Mystic subsidiaries, Thrash Records. Oh, I didn't know that was a, a Mystic uh, sub-label. Yeah, the album Epitaph. Yep. Yep. That's right. But yeah, so that's that's validation right there. The best skate punk song from the dude that wrote skate punks. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> that's it. Super, super ill. Glad to have it on list. All right, and Daniel, let's go to you for your number four. All right, this is extremely difficult because when I'm looking at my list right now, there are at least six more songs that I want to get on. And now I've got to start pushing some people out the lifeboat. I am next going to pick Ceremony Six. I think, like, Jeremy picked Curse. That's why Curse was on my secondary list, just in case Sick got picked. <laughs> just because um, he cheated and looked at his list. But, okay. I didn't. I didn't. Luckily, it's all right here. He's looking. <laughs> Luckily, um, Sick didn't get chosen, you know? Um, I think Ross is an amazing lyricist and poet. You know, he just did his. He just got his PhD in poetry. Yeah, he got like a master's in right? No, I think it was full PhD, I think. Wow. Uh, yes. It, but the, I mean, it's so good the way it starts out of the, just the drums, to, you know, like the, the tom beat. And then, you know, the bass adds on and then the guitars are doing like flare outs and it's just building and building. And then when it kicks in with the sick of drying up in the sun, like fucking amazing. And then also just sick of black flag, sick of chrome mag, yeah. like so fucking awesome. Sick of Obama, like sick of head trauma. Uh, like, how do you rhyme Obama? <laughs> it's so fucking amazing. I really suggest everyone read the lyrics to this song because it's fucking awesome. And, you know, you'll listen to the song on the playlist, hopefully, and just know what I'm talking about. Like, this is, I think, the pinnacle of Ceremony, and I love everything they've done. And this is just at the top of the mountain for me. Yeah. Jeremy, let's go to you for your number four. Um, well, I think we'll go back a little bit as well. And I'm going to pick Nerve Agent, Fall of the All-American. And off Season of the White Owl. It was, that band played more shows than was, they had such better musicians behind it. Andy's drums were so fucking good. Uh, Tim Presley's, just his stage presence, let alone his guitar playing. Dante being a weirdo and, 
his bass lines and Eric's lyrics being so much more advanced and better than Redemption and Shadow was a hardcore band. This was the next step and more creative and weirder and pushed some boundaries and hit on a lot of important topics. And again, live shows, like I was looking at YouTube recently and watching them and it, they played a song and then they had to retune everything because they just fucking threw their shit everywhere. And so watching on YouTube is kind of a bummer. And I remember in between songs being able to breathe and like, cause the next song was just going to go off, but there was like song break, song break, which can be a bummer, but they put everything into it. And that first song on that record, is just kicked off a perfect record. Yeah. This is, this is such a banger. The song was on my list of, if, if I didn't get my other things on, like this was going to be chosen, but I, I got redemption in there. So I didn't want to double up, not saying that it's a bad thing. Um, and also Tim Presley went on to be in the fall, like legend, legend, legend status. Do you have any other records? Okay. Yeah, I have all of them. I have all, oh, <laughs> oh, uh, oh of the fall. I thought you were talking about that. No, I was talking about the fall. Yeah. Um, and that's another band where I saw their first show and their last show. And it just, I was there for the whole journey. Loved it. Um, I can't talk about it enough. And I was hoping they would do a some type of reunion. I think some of that got spoiled by one idiot in the band. Um, but no, fucking perfect band, perfect record. Yeah, one day they'll One idiot in the band who put, one idiot in the band who plays too many notes on the bass. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Somehow got called out by Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Um, yeah, everyone check out the Eric Ozine interview from the pod it was back on november 16th and then we dive into the whole catalog on the patreon episode so smash that patreon button and uh you'll get to hear greg pollard and and ben talk all about it so uh yeah nerve agent is great loved every time they came through socal especially like when they played the pch it was the illest and uh with palpatine i saw him at the pch that was fucking awesome what a shithole that was what how dare you? You're a fan <laughs> from the pod. No, it was great, but it was like, yeah. <laughs> it was a, it was our shithole, and uh, right, right, yeah. Banned from yeah. the pod. <laughs> Banned from the pod, and uh, yeah, you know, it was cleaned nicely with a wet wipe, and it was cool. <laughs> um, okay, my number four. I am going to. I'm gonna do. Oh fuck! Okay, I'm gonna do this. Uh, I hope tsunami doesn't come and beat me up, but I'm going Gulch. I'm taking Cries of Pleasure, Heavenly Pain, off Impenetrable, Cerebral, Fortress, Closed Casket, 2020. Look, I do like some modern shit. We're not all talking about the 90s. This you not you 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 took this out of my list. Yeah, this band is such a breath of fresh air and it's so rad and it's just it's cool that someone could create like a new sound this far into like hardcore's evolution but still be so heavily steeped in hardcore like this is not like a a new sound that doesn't sound punk it's like a new take on hardcore punk it's so ill it incorporates this song especially just incorporating like just a little bit 
of black metal and like the prime black metal where like you hear the riff and it's just like, you feel like you've heard it a million times before, but it just works so perfect in the song because it goes somewhere else. There's so much rage, so much fury. This is stripped down. They got like a perfect recording. The art is fucking perfect. Everything about this band is so rad when like a band like this hits and gets the hype and it's like, okay, they deserve it. Like they are the one that should get it. You know, I was like late on the American nightmare train, but they were like a band. I also believe deserved it because as I've said on the pod a million times, like I never thought that a band that sounded that intense could be that popular again. And it was so rad to be able to witness it. And with Gulch, it's just so rad that all these people are on board with something sounding so abrasive and like unpleasant to the non-punk loving ear, but so perfect to the people that do like this music. Um, Just can't say enough good stuff about it. And that is my number four. Uh, You can, you can uh, wax on it, Dan, if you want, if you had it on your list. Um, I just think that the intensity is the way to describe Gulch. Like they don't do anything in a half measure. Everything is up to 11. Uh, the emotion is up to 11, the delivery, the performance, the, when you see him live, he's fucking, you know, intense front man. Like it's, yeah, it's it's fantastic. It was our it was the pod's record of the year last year, you know, for a reason. For sure. Um we you know, I think we waxed poetic about it like ad nauseum on that episode. So Drain, half of the band? No. Uh, um I thought they shared like members or something, right? They they perhaps do, but I know there's uh, whatever. Okay, I thought I was going on something, but yeah. I know what you were getting at. Here's what you're getting at. That they're from Santa Cruz, so they don't count. Is that yeah. what you're getting at? <laughs> that might be. That might be. But yeah. No. I think that uh, it's Drain, Gulch, <laughs> Tsunami, and Hands of God all share members, like a dude or two, right? Yeah, I think so. And yeah. they, they all like have their own crew and show up and bring a lot of... Like When they play a show, they bring 30 of their homies. Like yeah. It's cool. I love that Ben was just sat there quietly waiting to like unleash <laughs> unleash that fact to be like invalidation that list of not <laughs> actually um the Discogs page says that they are an American hardcore slash death metal band from San Jose and Santa Cruz. Mm. Yeah, they definitely have uh share members. San Jose members and you know that people are going to have to say YAB to you for going there and not going with the infamous, glorious tsunami. Well, tsunami's too good for anyone's list. Like, let's be real. Yeah, they should. <laughs> they should have their own episode. You know, I I hate to sully the tsunami name by tossing them in with all these lesser than bands. You know, so that, 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 yeah. That's a good like the like the Dead Kennedys. All these lesser bands like the Dead Kennedys. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so bow, bow to that tsunami throne, bitch. Um, but yeah, hey, you're a bitch. You're y o u r a bitch. We're, we're, no, we're, you we're, know we're, 
That's on purpose. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Ben, let's go to you for your number four. I'm going to go with Crucifix, Annihilation. I was going to do the whole speech because I know it by heart, but it would be really awkward. Not but this is, the, this is the song that opens up the dehumanization LP um, with a speech from the singer, and then it busts into the, some amazing hardcore music. Um, Did they, like, play that before they played before? Isn't it on their covers, I think? Well, I think that they played The Sound of Fury and had that speech before they played. All right, well, let's, let's have Ben carry on. Go ahead, Ben. Well, well, Fields of Fire used to do No Limbs, but I'd do the speech for Annihilation before we played No Limbs. But the song Annihilation is actually better than No Limbs, so I should have just done it the way they did it on the record. Um, this is one of the few spiky haired peace punk bands that totally scratches the hardcore kid itch. They're a huge influence on Agnostic Front, the good Agnostic Front album, Victim in Pain, um, and also a huge influence Ooh. on Youth of Today. Youth of Today. Uh, Youth of Today admits to having lifted uh, pieces of crucifix songs. I, off the top of my head, I can't remember which ones. Um, I love the opening speech. Uh, listen to the breakdown in the song. I mean, dudes with foot-high hair and spiky-ass jackets are bodying your whack-ass mesh shorts moshcore band with this hard-ass breakdown. So get the fuck out of here with that. Um, <laughs> the singer is hyper-intelligent. He's, he's actually <laughs> he's actually a, a Cambodian immigrant who fled the uh, uh, Cambodia with his family during the hol- uh, genocide in the 70s. Um, and... Um, He's super political and intelligent. His lyrics totally reflect that. And as much as I love Discharge, rep, and this is this goes back to a point Zach always makes, Discharge is very repetitious lyrically. They'll repeat verses ad nauseum. And um, I think Crass is on the opposite end of that spectrum, where it's like a full, it's like full-on political speeches set to music, and Crucifix is like right in the middle, where it's like, you know, actual songs with like, you know, a three verse song with three verses and it's, you know, not losing the plot. So crucifix crushes it. Uh, that's my pick. Yeah. This is on my list. This is a perfect LP. Uh, anyone that's not into it or hasn't heard it needs to track it down. It's, it's pretty easy to find. I believe it just got repressed again. So it's available and I, it's on, is it on Spotify bitch? I believe it is. Okay. So it's pretty easy to track down everyone. Check it out. Crucifix dehumanization. One of the greatest hardcore LPs of all time. Um, Dan, what do you got on this? Um, yeah, it is. It's epic. And I, I love thought and punk combined and thought and punk is what it really is all about. And this band is at the forefront of that. I really love when bands are teaching young kids getting into things about different ideology and offering up something different and saying that the status quo is not necessarily the way that we really should go. Like, have you ever considered this or this? And uh, I think this band does that incredibly. I think the sound is awesome. Um, But I would like to apologize to 98% of the one eight five miles south uh, fan base, all mesh short moshers out there. 
yeah. for Ben's inflammatory remarks. Yeah. Like, what's hey, the, man, what's, I'm just saying. What's wrong with comfort, dude? You know? What's wrong with comfort? I'm what just saying. I'm just saying, sometimes uh, 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 great things happen where you least expect them. No, I, 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 I loved it, and I love the passion it was delivered with. I think this is an excellent pick, so, you know, well done. Yeah, Ben's had all that angst ever since he got owned by Casey Jones at a night show. He's been waiting to, like, lash <laughs> out at someone. And 25, late, 25 years later, it happened, and the, the victims were anyone wearing mesh shorts. But, uh, Ben, I hope you feel better. I'm glad you got that off your chest. And uh, Daniel, let's go to you for your number five. All right. Now we're really getting down to it, aren't we? Uh, oh, fucking hell. Okay, so oh. this is number five. You got three, you got three more, dude. Yeah, and um, I've got one Papa, two... Rough. Three, four, five, six. Okay. I am going to go radio, the seven inch version by Rancid. The reason I'm choosing the seven inch version over the the uh, perfect perfect other version, LP version, is just the radio. It, it's like the song is almost in uh, like it's. It's not finished yeah. yet, <laughs> but it's on that fat record rancid uh, seven inch where they misspelled just a feeling as just a felling <laughs> on the back. The whole artwork is done by Whiteout. Um, I fucking love this song. Like, what an amazing song! Never fell in love till I fell in love with you. Like, yeah. just talking about falling in love with music and how it has saved your life and. You know, you we can all be cynical and and sit back and be like eye roll, duh, yeah. But no, if you really think about that as a concept, like it is truthful. I mean, we're we're sat here hunched over a computer talking about this in four different locations, talking about music and what it means to us and fighting over tracks. Like this is perfect. It's perfect lyric fodder. It is perfect. Uh, put together tuneful clash referential punk and I absolutely love it and Rancid were an early love of mine and have never faded away like I've always loved them since they became a band um, but I really love this era yeah and just a super super underrated lyricist I mean at least in our circles probably you know because Rancid kind of gets maybe tossed in with like epitaph fat stuff now, but it's like, he is such a good lyricist. And, you know, I, I like all rancid, but those first three LPs are something else. And I even remember when the third one came out, the outcome, the wolves, like not liking it because it wasn't fast. You know, it took me a while to like get into it. And it's like, Oh my God, this is fucking amazing too. But let's go is my favorite. Probably just because it's like the, the combo of, I don't know. It's somewhere in between the first and the third, right? Like the first is yeah. the first is like really, the, is really, the first is really good, but it's like kind of dark, you know. And there is some it's catchiness hard. in there, but not well, not all the way yet. And like Let's Go is just is fucking perfect. And well, Lars Lars is on that record, and then yeah, the has a different element to it. That's right. That's right. Lars comes in for for the second record. 
Um, I do yeah. love that Daniel chose two drinking songs in his playlist so far. I hope that uh, we get a third one. That will be ill because a warm summer night I'm drinking with my dad, and then of course, kiss, <laughs> and of course, kiss the bottle. So uh, that's super ill. Uh, Jeremy, how do you feel about this? Uh, I mean, I love Rancid so much. I I think those first five records are perfect to me. I mean, Rancid 2000 is fucking raw and great. Um, the first Rancid record, it's great, but it's not as good as Let's Go or Outcome the Wolves. So I agree with you on that. And just, again, Matt Freeman, the just all his noodling, I guess is the word. It's just so good. Um, but I can't, I, Daniel explained radio the best. It's like, we're all here because we love music or music has saved our life in one form or another or has ruined our life in one form or another. So I think that's the perfect song. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a love song and you never know if love ends happy or sad. Right. So it can be either. Yeah. But regardless, like this is just a, a great song. Love the pick Daniel, Jeremy, let's go on to you for your number five. All right. Number five. All right, we're going to tiptoe into, uh, I'm going to do AFI File 13. Just because we're on rant and I'll, I'll go right into AFI. Uh, this band, again, another band, growing up, East Bay, so important. You know, I mean, you have your locals that you kind of grew up with. Daniel still loves Blink-182 because San Diego, and it's good for him. I just love because they play fantastic music. Well, <laughs> When Tom Long was in the band. I don't fuck with this new iteration. <laughs> so, but very proud of you. Came out. My dad took me to Warehouse. I bought the CD. He thought it was fine because it looked completely harmless because it has that stupid artwork um, that looks cartoonish. But every word in that was just like, you know, when you look in it like a yearbook and you're like, oh, this is what I was about or this is what I was doing this year. File 13, throw me away. I feel like shit. I am useless. Like that song, it's hard to pick one of theirs because I love that band so much and every version of theirs. Black Sales is probably the better album for sure, but this song, that album was huge to me in 96 or whatever it was. So, Ben, did love you, those dudes. Ben, did you ever get into AFI? Yeah, I, I did. I got into AFI um, when they did the album Shut Your Mouth and Open Your Eyes, and they were playing a lot of shows with like bands like um, Ensign and Strife at the time. Like They just went hard in the hardcore scene Yeah, dur- during that like 97-ish era, 98. And, yeah, and darker and angrier. <laughs> I never liked anything before it or after it, and I actually listened to it again a couple of years ago, and I don't can't even say I'm a fan of of that album anymore. But, but the cool thing about Davey Havoc and no one has pointed this out, but I believe it to be true. His voice is almost identical to the Reagan youth singers voice. Listen to Reagan youth, especially that second Reagan youth album where it's all heavy metal, but it's still good. Listen to that and just imagine Davey Havoc behind the mic, very similar voices. That's really interesting. Like in pitch, you think, because Davey Havoc doesn't sound like snotty at all. Do you think? Yeah. And pitch and yeah, pitch. 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 It's like, yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. That's uh-huh. cool. That's cool. You know, I, I'm not a huge AFI fan, although 
man, they always killed it live and all the records are yeah. pretty good. It just never resonated with me, but dude, that fucking hit song, like the, what's, is it girls? Not gray. Like yeah. that fucking song rips. I love that song. <laughs> I, love that song. I love that song. So ill. It's like a radio song. Anyway, no, I mean, I'm riding for it. One, I, I, one day I'm going to ask. I have AFI tattoo. Those dudes are homies. I love that band. Oh so yeah, up. very nice, very nice uh, guys. Um, yeah. We uh, Fields of Fire stayed at Davy's place um, when we played at Gilman um, once. Um, frat house? He was, he was, yeah, he was living in a frat house. I had, I had no understanding of why that was, but he, you well, know the story behind that frat house, and then the frat dudes moved back in. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and here's a here's a funny story. Um, um, Chris Grande was wearing uh, a Nardcore patch. It was just the, the Nardcore logo. And, Dave, and I missed this because I went up, I was upstairs using the bathroom. Davey Havoc pointed to the patch and goes, what's that? I've seen that before. What is that? And apparently Chris Grande was all like, dude, it's fucking Nardcore. What the fuck is wrong with you? How can you not know that? Like completely gave him attitude. <laughs> it's like nicest guy in the world and you're staying at his house and you're totally vibing him because he didn't recognize the Nardcore logo. <laughs> <laughs> First off, right on, Chris. <laughs> Second off, Davey should have made him go sleep in the van. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, Everything's the next day. Yeah. You can take that uh, smart ass out to the van dude um but yeah ill love the pick i'm gonna go with my number five dan already broke the seal so i am uh safe i'm doing jawbreaker do you still hate me uh probably my favorite jawbreaker song this and kiss the bottle are the two and jesus christ what a fucking poet and this song with like the it's like a lead kind of on the intro but it like doesn't stand out like it's not above the music it's almost like buried and so it's just like more of a feeling you know and then i mean the verses are just the illest you know and his rhythm patterns it's just everything on the song next fucking level absolutely love it had to have it on my list jawbreaker do you still hate me off 24 hour revenge therapy and uh 1994 what's up Daniel, is this top five jawbreaker for you or no? It's it's around there. I mean, twenty four hour revenge is my favorite LP. Um, I mean, God, the so much like I could list like fifteen songs. You'd be like, oh yeah, you know it. This is one though that I think really captures the emotion of, especially pre internet and pre texting, of kind of trying to find out where you are in someone's thoughts. Do you know what I mean? Without being able to easily check in or, or all of that. It's, uh, I think it's really written beautifully. And uh, I love how it just ends with the, you know, the, Hey, I miss you. Like um, line, like basically just declaring, like, don't, <laughs> don't hate me. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. yeah, it's like he's tr- he's kind of like playing it cool and romantic most of the song, you know, and saying like, where are we at? And then he just has to break down and be like, here's what I'm trying to fucking get at. I miss you. Yeah. You know, and it's when the song breaks and it's like the more emotional part. Absolutely love it. Um, 
Yeah. And Ben, let's go to you. Number five. Number five, I'm going to go. Now I'm going to start doing the, doing the deep cut since I got the, the obvious stuff out of the way. Um, uh, some gods by the band fuel, not the English band fuel. Obviously we're talking about the Bay area, San Francisco. Uh, fuel had Mike Kirsch on guitar and vocals who much later in life became Sarah Kirsch and then passed away in 2012 of a rare blood disease called Faconi anemia. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. A form of anemia. Uh, Kirsch was in so many bands and all of them were good and some of them were great. Uh, he was in Skin Flute, Sawhorse, Tinhead Gunpowder with Billy Joe Armstrong, which is like the weirdest matchup ever. Torches to Rome, Bread and Circuits, Batter Brains, Please Inform the Captain This is a Hijack, Silver Bearings, Both Hands Broken with Dan O'Mahony, uh, and Na- Navio Forge, Mother Country Motherfuckers, to name a few. Um, Kirsch, uh, the only band I saw um, Kirsch playing was, um, it was Bread and Circuits. at the. They played the Pickle Patch a lot. And, yeah. and, and Kirsch was one of those rare types who was extremely political, but who was non-judgmental um, and actually played, yeah, and actually played good music, which to me was, was really rare for that whole like 90s abolition scene. It was like, and, and I've even seen Kent McClard talk about like, more punch plays really good music, but you know, they're not lyrically there. They're, they don't have much to say. Or I, don't, I don't know what he said specifically, but his point was the same as mine, which surprised me coming from him, which was you almost never get someone who has, you know, deep political shit to say and plays good music. You either get one or the other almost all of the time. And, and Kirsch brought it. Every single band was good music and the message. And Fuel was my favorite of all of them. And, and, People nicknamed them Fuel Gazi because they sounded really similar to Fugazi. And um, I think if you don't like Fugazi because you think they're not fast enough or punk enough, and you know who I'm talking to right now, um, you might dig the band Fuel because it's almost like this is what Fugazi would sound like if they were more punk sounding. Yeah. Um, so and then Greg, Greg from Take Offense, go check out Fuel. Yeah, uh, Zach on. from uh, Retaliate. You might want to check out Fuel. Um, Some Gods is a great song, and it's about uh, you know coming to grips with one's disbelief in religion, and um, it's on the slow side, but it still has this like happy, upbeat vibe to it. Um, but there are other songs of theirs that are more raging, what, and that's my pick. What time frame has this been? This is from their album Monuments to Excess, which came out in 1990. So they were right on the edge of that, like late, very end of the 80s, very beginning of the 90s era. And and Ebolition reissued this uh, album in well into the 90s, but um, it wasn't originally on Ebolition. It was uh, I have it here. It was on Sixth International. I'm excited. Who, to hear it was it. like a divi- yeah. Yeah, it's good. And it, and the strange thing is, it's totally the kind of thing that wouldn't be on Spotify, but thank goodness it is on Spotify. Perfect. I'm stoked to check it out. Um, Daniel, let's go to you, number six. 
He's trying to look at his phone, see who he has to bum out. Yeah, Daniel, you know about about Mike Kirsch slash Sarah Kirsch. Do you have anything to say about Kirsch? Uh, intense performer. Um, I saw Brennan Circuits. I have seen Please Inform the Captain. This is a hijack, um, which was a bit more almost like physical um, performance art band. Do you know what I mean? Like they would dress up and and kind of deliver those uh, performances like that at the Shea at least. Um, I mean, yeah, like like you say, to go from fuel to pinhead gunpowder to um, bread and circuits, like, it, what a talent because none of those bands sound the same, but they all bring it, you know? Um, yeah. I, John Henry, John Henry West. That was yeah, one. John Henry West. Also, uh, Torches to Rome. Was he in that yeah. as well? Yeah. Yes. Yes. He, yeah, yes. I saw them as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, I liked the more screamo-ish stuff coming out of you know his output because those are the bands like that I think stood out um, live-wise for me. But of course, I never saw Pinhead Gunpowder play. I don't know if they ever did play, besides like maybe a one-off at Gilman or something. Oh, and that's another weird thing about Kirsch is that most people they get they kind of get softer over the years. Each musical project becomes less hardcore, and it seemed like Kirsch went in the reverse order. And every every band, every subsequent band was harder and faster and more abrasive than one before it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Super ill. Daniel, um, let's go to your like, number six. I like paying for tribute to her. Like, that's awesome. Um, Glad it's on the list. Daniel, number six. Operation Ivy, the crowd. Yep, that's the one. Yeah. Um, the sound wise, like, you know, we're talking about how they mix punk and ska really well this one has a bit of a a dark wave ska punk sound um it has like a vibe this song like a really kind of um and it's a longer it's one of the longer off ivy songs you know um but the chorus is so catchy and so cool but like the 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 basic thing that it's talking about the disenfranchised and the homeless and the you know basically talking about the street punks and the homeless that this song is describing saying that it it really paints an evocative picture it's really a clever song and it's something that I you know poured over for uh, long periods of time as a as a um, you know a youngster getting into this band and I I just love the um, the entire vibe of this song I think this is Off Ivy's best song and I ha- I'm really happy I got it at number six yeah I'm I'm glad it's on there too I'm glad Off Ivy's been well represented I think it's gonna 
he's going to bail me out. Maybe I'm, I won't take him so I can get some other stuff in. Um, <laughs> it, do you guys all think that we've talked up Ivy enough or is there anything else you want to say on them? What I love about Op Ivy is, you know, like people think of, you know, when people always think of that one person who's the driving force behind the band, you know, so they think of like Tim Armstrong, aka Lint, as the as the one who did everything for Op Ivy, and and that um, singer Jesse kind of doesn't get because Big Rig, his next band, is not that great. Um, and he's still putting on music, and he does a lot of artwork that's really good. Yeah, yeah. He well, and he did all the artwork for the for the band too. But the the I don't think his voice gets enough credit with how amazing it sounds in relation to this band. His voice is so cool, you know. So yeah, yeah. He, I, he I would sings, say that's the only thing. He sings in such a good key too that it feels like you can sing all these songs. That's like one of the best things about Op Ivy, like. His voice is like perfect, but it seems almost like attainable. So you don't feel like a fool, like singing along to it. Like even like when he's <laughs> actually kind of like hitting us, like the take warning, like take warning, take warning. Like you just want to sing along, dude. It's it's one of the best bands ever. But, and uh, Matt Freeman doesn't Matt Freeman doesn't overplay in Operation Ivy like he overplays in Rancid. I will say that like I think <laughs> oh. it, I I don't know if he overplays in Rancid because I think that he. Like, okay, so I I do agree with, like, the overplaying thing in general for some bands, but I think Rancid, they do such a good job of, like, when he's doing that, like, the other dudes are doing less. <clears throat> so it's like, here's your time to shine, here's your time to shine. The ultimate example of that is Iron Maiden, right? Like, every dude in that band has chops and can go, and maybe the most important guy in the band is the bass player, Steve Harris, but when all these guys are ripping, they're ripping at different times. Like when the verse is going, it's just the guitar is going dun 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 dun, and Steve Harris is chilling too. And you know that's like they're writing a catchy song, right? But they're they are going to have a solo. Everyone can let loose. There's going to be a part for Steve Harris to let loose. There's going to be a part for the drums to let loose. And obviously, Rancid is a more simplified version of that. But I do think that like when like the bass goes, it's like in a good part. I don't, he, to me, it's not distracting where in other bands, like I get distracted by shit like that. That's all. I'd uh, say, I'd say 90% of the time it is in the pocket. It is what makes rancid rancid. And it is super cool. 10% of the time it does go over the edge where it's like too much a little too wanky, but, but you know, it, it's only, it only goes to show like how great it is most of the time that it is perfect in the song. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And it's unattainable. Like, cause no one else can do it like that. You know, like people have yeah. had lots and lots of years to practice bass and mimic it, you know, and no one can do it tastefully good like that. Oh, exactly. There's a million people out there that could probably play all those bass lines and go overboard on a song, but they're not going to get the style and the vibe right and make it, it's going to sound awful. Whereas he is perfectly in line with what these awesome songs that Tim is writing, you know? Awful is such a simple word that is like such an own. Like, oh, that band sounds awful. <laughs> like, oh, there's almost nothing worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, let's go to you for your number six. 
So for my number six, uh, this is where I start breaking people's hearts, but um, I'm going to say lights out, suck this dry. Um, I think a lot of their songs were about posers, which is great. <laughs> Just calling them out. But this band <laughs> for the two, three years was so fucking good live. They were all, they all, this is all their second band, I think. So they got all their weirdness and amateurish stuff out in the first band. Connor was like a mini Eric Ozine. He was completely bonkers on stage. Aaron O'Neill's a fucking awesome drummer. James had one move. He, he utilized that. Durag is a fucking wild man. Kevin just chilled back. And the difference between Overload and this, I think, is weed. What happens? Someone starts smoking weed between Overload and this. <laughs> but their music and their live shows were so good. And I think maybe, like, the song Old News, he's like, fucking poser, I don't know you shit. And then Suck This Dry is like, don't rob this of me. Don't rob this of me. So I don't know, if, you know, just getting picked on or people accusing them of shit, but they were so fucking good. And then when they played a, I don't want to say a reunion, because never really broke up. When they played with No Warning two, three years ago, they still brought it. And it was still really, really good. Yeah, definitely. I think Connor has really cool style yeah. as a singer and a front man. He's got this, he's like, not moshing on stage because that's stupid, but like, it's just the way he makes like swagger. Yeah, it's swagger. swagger. It's just swagger. and It's awesome. Yeah, and, and a lot of times bands of this style like don't have the swagger. You know, it's just like a it's like go nuts, you know. But yeah, he did have a confidence to him. And this is a standout band of that era. You know, it seems like everyone that went through NorCal and played with them like came back singing the praises, you know, of how great yeah. Lights Out is. Um Yeah. Yeah, killer pick. Glad they're on the list. Ben, did you ever get in this band? Um, I saw them at um Alpine. I can't remember. It was a really big show. Maybe First Step also played. And I, I remember them doing a song that I thought was Vanishing Point by Underdog, but it was one of their songs. It sounded so so much like Vanishing Point that I thought they were doing a cover. And then like halfway through it, I'm like, those aren't the right, those aren't the same lyrics. No, I guess it's one of their songs. But these guys, at least some of them were in a band called Lab Rats before they were in like. Yeah, South. so that was Connor's first band. Yeah, and they played with uh, my old, with Fields of Fire up in San Francisco, um, Mission Records maybe. Yeah, it was like the last Scholastic Death show. Yeah, um, that they were good. Yeah, good band. I, I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan. I don't have the records, but I remember them being pretty good. Yeah. I, and I like that they're named after like one of the best songs ever, "Lights Out" by the Angry Samoans. Yeah, and they're on Young Blood. Yeah, and they're on Young Blood. Yeah. Yep. Shout out to the memories of tomorrow. Comp could have been better, but uh, was still pretty good. Um, <laughs> okay, my number six. <laughs> I'm going to keep Daniel laughing and go with no use for a name. Fatal flu. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Fatal Me f- laughing. Fatal flu off Leche con Carne. Fat wreck. 1995. Perfect new school melodic punk rock song. That has like so many of the tropes that I love, you know, the singer starting with just playing guitar, you know, and then kicking in with like the most basic fill, the do da, and then you're into the mid tempo part, 
and then like layering the vocals, which is like one of my loves of being like a Battle Legion super fan, you know, hitting like both octaves. And then it goes fast and it's like, fuck yeah. Like this is so in the pocket, you know? Um, it's just a perfect song. You guys can laugh now, but you're going to cry later when you listen to it on the playlist and are like, God damn, I've been sleeping on this all my life. This song rules how so many, hard. Go ahead. How many goatees were in the band at this point? I think a three out of five. And, okay. Uh, That's yeah, a good another, ratio. Another thing that is, is interesting about this, and I think Ben brought it up before we started the pod, you know, we've talked a lot about do that, do that, do that, do that on this pod. And this is the rare band that doesn't do that beat. They're just doing do that, do that, do that, do that, do that. So they're not in the do that, do that pocket, but still a solid fast beat. And yeah, I love it. I love this. Um, I thought I had one more thing on it, but I spaced when I was talking about the drumming. So that's that. But does anyone like this band at all? I almost got Oh, you go, go first. Go ahead, Ben. I was going to say I almost died when they were playing at Borden South Bay in 1995 um, because I was standing near the front and and everyone rushed uh, to the front and I felt like I was going to get crushed. So I crowd surfed over the barricade in order to live. <laughs> and the, and the, the bouncer who got me was like, you do that again, I'm kicking you out. And I'm like, okay. You're like, I don't want to see nose. these bands anyway. Um, yeah, it's like, uh, that's fine. Yeah. No, no, I mean, I don't know this, this band, like I've talked before on this pod about being into like a lot of the fast new school punk, like lag wagon and so forth. Like before I got into hardcore and just being over like the stupid lyrics, like look at my cat. Why can't I live like that? You know, it's like, okay, I can't do this anymore, dude. I'm 16. I'm almost a grown fucking man. I can't deal with this bullshit lyrics, you know? And then like getting into ignite and discovering hardcore and being like, Oh my God, finally, you know, I've found my calling, but there are a lot of these bands from the genre that I still love to this day that play like that melodic punk rock that have good lyrics and no use for a name. This album, especially has got great lyrics on a lot of the songs. Like there's that song 51 days about like the, the David Koresh shit, you know, there's songs about domestic violence, um, songs about like drug addiction and so forth. Um, I would, I would say the, the two bands out of this whole, like, you know, epitaph esque post bad religion, um, sound that have the good lyrics are no use for a name and propaganda. Yeah. Um, yeah. Propaganda, especially, but like they're overtly political. Right. Yeah, but no use for a name. I used to have Let's Take on Carney on tape uh, back in the day, and I definitely gave it uh, quite quite uh, many plays. The one I had was the one before it was the Daily Daily Grind. Daily, it was the Daily Grind. Yeah, I played the hell out of that back in the day. Um, I was psyched that one of the members was like rocking Corrosion of Conformity tees and stuff as well. Uh, back then, but yeah, I mean, I I ain't gonna hate on you for picking this. Oh, this is you. right up your alley, anyway. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, I gotta be true to myself, dude. And uh, I love this album, and I love this song. So that's that. And Ben, let's go to you for your number six. 
All right, my number six, I'm going to go with Attempted Control by Code of Honor. Are, is, are any of you familiar with the band Code of Honor from San Francisco? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, great. Um, this is w- one of the strangest, most unique-sounding hardcore bands I've ever heard. Um, I actually picked a relatively normal song from their catalog. This is pretty straightforward, and it's got... It's got um, a sing-along to it. A lyric. The lyrics are about how they want California to secede from the U.S., which I personally don't want to happen. But when you know there's a fuckhead in the White House, I think most Californians can relate to the I sentiment. Do want it to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Um, then you got to listen to this song, man, dude. This song's for you. <laughs> California is our home. USA, go away. Um, I'm not doing it justice. Um, not so quiet on the Western front is this like, is this comp that maximum rock and roll put out in 1982 and it has 47 bands on it, all from Northern California and two, I think maybe two bands from Nevada. And, and that's how I discovered code of honor. And that's the only song on Spotify right now. Um, which is the song from that comp. And it's just the strangest, like talk about mixing parts together and just jumping from part to part. Like, I associate that kind of schizophrenic songwriting with kind of nineties, hardcore nineties, metalcore, like Shia Hulud or st- stuff like that. Um, just the idea of like gluing parts together that like where the rhythm completely changes, but they were doing that in like a hardcore punk context in 1982, which I thought was cool. And they did a split LP with sick pleasure. And that's the song that I picked. It's from that split LP. And it's got this cool record cover where it's like uh, three, three skateboards and a guitar all against the brick wall, which is like really cool looking. And yeah. then they did, they did their, yeah. And they did their own uh, album after that called beware the savage jaw, which is so frigging weird. It's like, were drugs involved in this? There must've been drugs involved. I don't actually know the answer. Um, <laughs> but they, they have a, a, a thing that kind of connected. I connected with, code of honor it's like they have this righteous indignation that you get from like straight edge bands like minor threat or like bands that are like you know telling you the way things should be and like they're not a straight edge band but they still have that vibe to them and that i really connect with and i'm I'm a total sucker for that kind of thing and i love the name code of honor It's it's just like it's almost like disciplined hardcore you know it's the opposite of you know, the G.G. Allen school of school of punk or whatever, you know, like mash your head against the wall type of punk. Yeah. So and check a, it out. Attempted to control code on it. And a band with an early skateboard record cover, 1982 for the seven inch, I believe. Right. Which would put it same year as JFA and predating the aggression uh, LP in 83. Oh yeah. You went on that deep dive, um, recently to try to figure out to figure that kind of thing out um jfa might have been 81 you're right about 82 the the seven inch and the, the lp both have skateboards on on the uh for the split lp i think jfa might 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 have them beat by a year boom blatant localism yep yeah yeah, yeah. yep um, yep 81 all right. right question answered all right, Daniel, it is your final pick. Number seven, time to break some hearts. 
what are we leaving off? But more importantly, what's oh. going on? Don't tell us what you're leaving off. We'll do uh, honorable mentions after. Number seven. You know, but sometimes you have to kind of slightly just vocalize them to see which one you're... So I've got... I know, but there's three got... more There's three more people we got to pick. Yeah, I know. Um, okay. Fit Boy, The Threat. I think the lyrics to this, and especially for the act, for the time that they came out, is, I mean, they're still relevant to this day about the threat that a woman feels walking down the street in a patriarchal, rape-heavy society that we live in. Um, I think this seven-inch, well, I think everything Spitboy put out is, incredibly important but i think the lyrics of this song is the reason that i took this one over everything else and um this song came out around the same time that fugazi's suggestion came out and i think there's two sides of of the same coin where it's talking about men get it through your fucking head that what it is like to walk down a street with fear, with an element of fear in your heart because you don't trust just regular going about their day men because the rape culture that is going on in this world is so prevalent that, um, you know, it, it's, it's something that needs to be addressed and it's something that it needed to be sang by women for men to hear and take on board. And uh, I think Spitboy is a very important East Bay punk hardcore band from the time and um, may have slightly been not lost to history because everybody does know Spitboy and knows, you know, but they were very... um, in the mid, early mid and kind of ending up in the late 90s, they were a really strong force of not only music coming out of the Spitboy-like collective, but also writings in Maximum Rock and Roll and um, in other zines like Punk Planet and whatnot, that they were really uh, scholars that were putting feminist theory and feminist thought out into a place that needed to hear it. So that's why Spitboy just took away from uh, the other songs that I was, just because of the sheer importance of this band. They, they're not the other ones that I was considering out. So, yeah. What do you think? I like the when, uh, you know, with your brain and not your heart that wanted to pick the daily grind. <laughs> um, ben, are you a fan of this band? Or Jeremy? I, no, I, I don't know enough to really comment. I've seen them, but I never dove into it. Cool. Jeremy's one of those people that they needed to get through to, but he just didn't pay attention. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on, come on. 
All right, Jeremy, <laughs> let's go to your number seven. Oh, I, I know Jeremy. I, I do. I do know that to be a fact. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> Just right. kidding. Jeremy, let's go to um, you for your number seven. Seven's tough, but um, highly underrated youth crew band, Breakaway, This Town. This Town knows how to mosh. This is fucking classic about none other than the San Ramon mosh crew. I could have gone unit pride, but Eric Ozine has got enough love on this that Joey Vela rules. I wanted to do sick coming, but I just had to shout out the hometown. And if you guys haven't heard this seven inch, have you? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, it's I don't understand why it's not celebrated more. It's so good. I, I, I agree. It, it should have a stronger place. It's just the time that it came out. It just, yeah, and yeah, so well, Joey Bella, it, it never got a repress, right? It's been out of print since the original. Correct. Well, so I was Joey lives five minutes from me, good friend of mine, and I was telling Hashtag. him, yeah, <laughs> local brag, um, telling him to put his shit online, and you know, because Second Coming's not on iTunes or Spotify, Breakaway's not on Rabbit Lassie, which no one's seeking out, but is not online, um, but. Just the amount of history from Joey in the Bay Area. I only know of Code of Honor because of Joey Bella and other, you know, Clown Alley and all these other bands that, you know, kind of went under the radar. But because I got uh, Old Man Withers living down the street, he tells me some history. Um, but Breakaway is so awesome. And they have just enough that you don't get sick of them. They didn't put out seven releases and it's like, oh, the first two are good. It's just, just enough. I love it. Santa Ramon Mosh Crew. Santa yeah. Ramon's got a lot of hardcore history. And, so. I, and I take it back. They got bootlegged by Lost and Found. So shout out. I know it's on Teamwork and Consequence, but I didn't know about Lost and Found. I have it. Uh, I think I have the, the color version. I have the Lost and Found uh, version. And I think I might have the Teamwork one as well. That's right. Because the, te- um, the Teamwork is actually a repress. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause constant, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, so this and is then, great. from my understanding, Joey never even got a copy of that. <laughs> they never sent them one. Oh, <laughs> Zach, go ahead. <laughs> I can't believe that an awesome, nice gentleman like Chris Kelly would do something like that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad this happened right, because the 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 lineage of Joey's great. You know, like. Doing an old school '88 band, then doing you know his whole fucking catalog is is rad. I love all his bands. He's such a good dude, and uh, his his kid, his son comes to shows now, who's like twelve or so, and just a rad skateboarder. Joey's got great art, and still at fifty one or so, still fucking skating bulls. That he rules. He's the best. Inspirational. Um, He's the Dave Bird of of the Bay. <laughs> that's that's pretty accurate uh that rules yeah it is yeah that rules um okay my seventh pick ah uh, again i just gotta be true to myself and i love this record <laughs> which is wild because i don't like anything before it and i don't like anything after it and i didn't like crimp shrine either 
but I love the album Lucky by the band 15 so much. And it goes against like everything that I like. Like this is the only band that can do a five minute song other than Iron Maiden that I like. And I don't know why. Um, the song that this is hard because I love the whole record and I, I listened to it several times for the first time in years over the last week, figuring out what I was going to do on my list. And I think the standout song to show why they're so great in this era is the man against man song. But in total 15 fashion, the end of that song is so fucking terrible that I can't put it on my list. Um, so I'm going stolen life off the album lucky. And this is like a, a more up-tempo song. It starts out with a pretty catchy little like lead harmonic part, which is nice. And then it's just an example about like this dude, I think his name's Jeff Ott, right? Um, yes. He's a fucking poet, you know, like we talk, you know, we talked about crucifix being the same way. Like this is a dude that's not going to repeat a verse. And you like, look at like a, a set of lyrics for a song and it's like, Jesus Christ, dude, you just wrote a chapter, you know? And that's how this song is like really cool in the lyrics as most of the songs on this record are. I mean, cause he gets like real poetic and then he pulls you out of it. Like the second song on this album, the, the title track lucky, you know, it's like, he's being all poetic, like beating around the bush. And then he's just like, I got a call. Lucky dog shot himself in the head today. And you're just like, what, you know? And it's just like, it's pretty burly. So this song starts out and he's talking about like firing up his truck and he's driving to, I can't remember what, what town to like pick up a bunch of newspapers. And then he like goes into it about how like, you know, the rich white dude that's like printing up all these lies and all that. And then he goes into like talking about people that are killed by the police and it just gets like deeper and deeper. And like also the, the chord progressions get like deeper and more emotional. So like it starts out as like kind of a happy sounding uptempo song. And then it just turns into something completely different while like maintaining the same tempo. Um, it's just really something that grabbed me and is generally kind of out of my wheelhouse, but just for some reason, um, this album resonated with us. We used to listen to it all the time on tour. Like all of us liked it, which is just really strange. And, uh, I did, uh, a podcast. I did Dave Hardy youth's podcast. Um, every effort made. And he brought up, he's like, you used to always play that one, uh, 15 record. And like, so he remembers like how much we played it. And, uh, yeah. So to be true to myself, I got to have this on my list. I'm going 15, the song stolen life off the album. Lucky subsidy records, 1999. Daniel, are you a fan of this band at all? I used to be uh, a big fan in, you know, the mid nineties, uh, would listen to them a bunch, but I think I, I haven't revisited it in a long, long time. To me, 15 and Comet Bus, the zine, they kind of like occupy a similar space in my brain. Like that was, you know, stuff that I was reaching out for. And these were the two, like basically Jeff Ott was the Jack Kerouac to like, Aaron Comet Bus's, uh, you know, Allen Ginsberg, like beat writer, uh, punk essentially, and um, Jawbreaker was in a similar vein, but 
I think, a bit more palatable and less verbose. Um, I really loved the first song on this LP. Like, it was one of the ones where you do the needle drop, like the song's over, then put it back to the beginning of the record over and over again. Um, but it, it's, I don't know too much about the way that they ended. You know, it was one of those bands where you would hear about them and the same with Grimshine too. Um, but you never really knew the, the end story to them. Well, I think it's that like, like, they just, this is basically, I think that like 15 prior to this album was like more of a band. And this is basically like just Jeff Ott solo more so. Like, I don't yeah. think that the previous members are in. And like, where I say that this album is like one of the only albums I like that has five minute songs that I enjoy. They did one more album after this that's like more five minute songs, which I do not enjoy, you know? And then I think he tried to, <laughs> then I think he tried to do like solo stuff and he wrote a couple books and, and who knows? Yeah. But it's like he just he, he didn't know how to dial it in and write like a a three minute banger, you know? I like the nineteen ninety five LP or ninety four LP that they had. Um I think. Yeah, he's um, he's just got a really interesting voice and I don't like it in any of his previous stuff. And then just somehow it works here. But then sometimes, like I was saying at the end of that man against man song, like sometimes it doesn't work and it's some of the worst shit I've ever heard in my life. Well, you like Tom Waits too. And it's kind of like a kind of a, for lack of a better term, pop punk version of that vocally to an extent, you know, well, I was a lot say, of growth. Yeah. His, his, the weirdness is the weirdness of his voice is more jello-y I would say than Tom Waitsy. You know, like that. Well, it, it's that gruff delivery, though, that works so well against the kind of poppy um, riffs. Maybe you're right, because this album musically is more poppy than other stuff. Like, most of these are just straight, like, poppy songs, but, you know, with, like, darker lyric matter and, and so forth. Anyway, I love it. That's that. And, uh, Ben, you can choose the final song. How about that? Number seven. All right. But before I do, I want to tell you a spit boy story. Um, I saw them at the Hong Kong cafe in January 93 with gutter mouth and voodoo glow skulls. That's just to show you how strange um, early nineties punk was and how many mixed bills there were. Cause like you would never have those bands, even by the late nineties playing shows together. Um, and spit boy, I remember the singer, um, um, had armpit hair and that to me was strange like that's that just shows you how different the world was uh, even whatever it was 27 years ago that like a woman with armpit hair kind of stood out like like it was like oh this person is clearly making a point by not shaving their armpits which now is like you wouldn't think twice you wouldn't think anything of it at all which is the way it should be anyway moving on to my pick my last pick is going to be um it's let's see here. Uh, negative trend. I got power. Uh, negative trend. We're a super early San Francisco punk band that cycled through a lot of lineups, and some of the people ended up becoming uh, founding the band Flipper after they broke up, and another band called Toiling Midgets. 
Um, but the best lineup of Negative Trend had this guy Rick L. Rick on vocals, and he had been the singer of this band F Word, who were from Covina, California. So there it is, SoCal smashing it yet again. Uh, so he ends up singing in this Bay Area band, and he's like this got this real crooner voice, uh, real slick, smooth, uh, low pitched voice. Um, and then Negative Trend, this lineup of Negative Trend put out music on Posh Boy uh, as Rick L. Rick, as if it was Rick L. Rick solo, but it really isn't. It's just Negative Trend with Rick L. Rick as the singer. So there's a little bit of confusion there, but I'm make no mistake this is negative trend um and they were on this comp called beach boulevard in 1979 and like that early posh boy sound is kind of the bedrock for the bands that would kind of end up uh ruling southern california like the adolescents tsol agent orange circle jerks and so it all kind of comes from here this is kind of the very beginning of that that beachy sound even though yes they're from san francisco it's kind of confusing but uh, this is a really good song. Uh, there's like a confidence and a swagger to it. And it's like from the perspective of someone who's like a corrupt political leader who's kind of bragging about his power, kind of like Fascist Pig by Suicidal Tendencies has that vibe too. Um, so it is on Spotify and it's awesome. So I got power. Negative trend. Yeah, 1979. What's up? That's it. Badge, keeping it real on number seven. I love it. And uh, yeah, if we did this on side A, side B, I'm going side Meat House. What's up? Oh, yeah. Well, Another great song. What are you going to do? Um, anyone have anything on this, or do we want to go on to honorable mentions? I'm excited to hear it. I've never heard of it, so that's cool. Yeah, man. Ben trying to shame us with some C knowledge. As always, we I I was convinced you were going to pick the flipper songs. Yeah, too slow. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Respect, respect. <laughs> yeah, you no, know, no, they're good. They're good. This is a, this is I I love doing the super sevens. I absolutely love it because mostly not for my picks, but to get other people's picks. Like when we did the Boston one, um, I'd never checked out Orchid before, and Rob chose it. And again, it's like a band that does not sound like anything that I like, but the song he chose was fucking great. And so like, I like that when you guys choose things that are maybe out of my wheelhouse, at least like you're choosing what you think is the best representation of that band. So it's like, I can like that, you know, cause that's what I like to put out in this podcast is like, this is not the, the place for hot takes, you know, like I want to like put everything on a pedestal and it's like, I like this. Here's the reason why. You know what I mean? Like, there's enough, like, shit talk and negativity in the world. Like, that's not the energy I want to put out. I like to, like, let's brush on the stuff we love and say why we love it and then present it to people so they can get it, too. You know, and if they don't necessarily like it, it's like, well, it is what it is, you know? But, like, here it is for you. I love that energy, and that's why, you know, like, that's just one example. Like, that Orchid song was fucking great. You know, I'm stoked that like Rob put it on his list, and I got to check it out. So, did you dive deeper in after that? Nope. To Orchid, or was it just the only song you like? Or the oh, okay, because <laughs> yeah. it's always good. Like, oh, I don't know which song to start with, or what's the like, what album should I start with? Right? Yeah. Because I keep doing it wrong, or I'm starting at a wrong time frame, or like, 
you know, Daniel only likes the new chili peppers where most people like the older stuff. Yeah. So new peps for life. Yes. Yeah, so you got to jump where you're jumping in. Yeah. For sure. I, I only like that one song about California. <laughs> the one where Yabba Dabba Doos or the, uh... <laughs> every single song, every single song <laughs> yeah. oh, is about California. Top three worst band ever. Dude, um, I'm with you. Top two. I'm with you. Top two. Jam, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Two worst bands ever. Type of first. Red, so, Red Hot Chili so, Peppers and post seventies Aerosmith. Oh, interesting. So, but no, going back to kind of what you're touching on is like, check out this band. Yeah, everyone says Redemption Seven. Everyone says Operation Ivy. But here's why this sounds important. Or like, fuck, I don't know that track, but I'm going to start there and work my way around it it's kind of always good about compilations or someone's opinion outside of their wheelhouse. Right. And, and also just like, you know, just cause a lot of people know something doesn't mean that everyone does. And even, right. even if like, <clears throat> so if someone asked me before, like, Hey, do you like that band orchid? I would just be like, not really. Or I don't like that style. And now I can say, yeah, yeah. yeah I heard one song and it was fucking great. And like, I don't have to like go down that road. But now I got something positive to say about it. You know what I mean? And like, that's just more good energy getting out there. Like, it's kind of weird to be on like this crusade of like being nice, but it is something I feel. And maybe that's just because like the past four years has just been so much like vitriol and negativity and like people being behind it that like I'm just tired of it. And like, you know, people thinking that like shit talk and trolling, like that somehow like, strong behavior like that's fucking bitch made behavior dude you know what i mean and like being nice to people and supporting people like that's real shit in my opinion and like that's just that's what i want to get out there so yeah. are you you're saying i shouldn't have criticized matt freeman's face playing playing it was controversial no, I, I think i think that like that's an okay thing to say like you know i don't i don't like that he plays so busy like other people like that. You know what I mean? Like that would be like, Oh, I don't like that. Uh, Bruce Dickinson, like belts it out in those beautiful, perfect notes. You know what I mean? Like you just don't like it. You can acknowledge that. Like there's something positive to it. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, like yep. the mesh short thing is a joke. Right. But you know, whatever, like you're not, you're not, oh, really, you're not really kissing out. someone for comfort. You're just saying like, if you like to slam, you would also enjoy I slamming think- to this crucifix song. Yeah, I'm saying if you grew up listening to bands like Madball or Hatebreed, it's like, hey, these guys who look like, you know, they have they wear butt flaps and, and have football hair play hard-ass breakdowns too. Maybe you dig yeah, that as well. That's exactly. Exactly. They also yeah. bring the heat. That's that's like the shit I like. I love that energy, you know, personally. Jeremy, were you going to say something? I think, I think it's fine for people to be honest about, hey, I had an experience multiple times seeing this band and I don't fuck with them. That that's fine. You just don't need to go ad nauseum about that kind of stuff, you know, like in, in an effort to keep the energy good, but I don't think people should be muted for that. You know, it's, it's like, yeah, we, you know, like on a past pod, Joe, said that he fucking hated Earth Crisis and he hated everything they brought around. Yeah, maybe that's not a positive thing, but there is history, personal interaction history with that. But I do like the general plan of, like, keep it pushing, keep it forward, keep it positive. 
you know. But you say positive, I say fuck that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's just it's. I just think that it's so much easier to have a hot take than it is to like actually formulate a thought to put yourself behind something. Right. Like, Agreed. It I, there away. are too many edgelords out there that fucking think, you know, oh, you know, I enjoy being on the edge of this and saying that and, you know, trashing this and, you know, something that is arguably like, you know, someone coming out, I don't fuck with minor threat. Bullshit. You're just saying that because you want some attention. Fuck off. Yeah. Or, yeah. You, or you just don't <laughs> or you- like hardcore punk. Like yeah, little, or you just don't like minor. Uh, you don't like minor threat, and you're a total kook. I mean, that's possible too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like yeah, you don't like minor threat. Like okay, so you don't like the apex of hardcore punk. Okay, that's cool. Like you're just not into it, you know? Like that's you had I'm... your ears removed as, as a three year old. <laughs> yeah. All right, Daniel. Let's go to you for your uh, honorable mentions. Okay, so these are the ones that I was uh, all these. I'm only going to list uh, three three songs that were all up in the potential choice for that last spot. And that is crime terminal boredom. I mean, that is the best crime song in my opinion. So catchy recorded so awfully and it's really cool. But that was at the bottom of these four that I was choosing for the seventh. The one that narrowly uh, got beat by Spitboy was the ripoff fed up. And I don't know if anyone's ever listened to the ripoff. It is a garage punk band from San Francisco, mid nineties. I think maybe uh, shared members or ex members of Supercharger. The ripoffs got a record. LP is fucking unbelievable, amazing. The song "Fed Up." I mean, I almost want to put it on the playlist as just the the uh, honorable mention at the end because it is so good. And then the other song I was going to choose is Scholastic Death Bookstore Core. Uh, when the Scholastic Death 7-inch slash tape came out, uh, uh, I think it was 1999 or 2000, I'm not sure which, I fucking loved it. And ODB would drive, you know, do drives to shows and stuff, and we would play that tape in the van a lot. Um, I loved the tongue in cheek, like um, education based lyrics to go with such power violence, catchy power violence thrashcore, and of course thrashcore then became so fucking played out to an extent, but. Um, Scholastic Death were really fucking good and I really enjoyed them. They were like one of the reasons why it got played out though. It was like, okay, every fast band has to have a gimmick. Like, it was just too much. And he gave In Control a bad uh, review in Maximum Rock and Roll, so not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben, I timed Daniel. He went two minutes. So that's how much time you got. Honorable mentions. Uh, social unrest. I want to be heard. This is the, the, the second singer of social unrest that gets no love. Um, sings that song. It's from 1985. Super good. Kind of like, uh, snotty vomitous style vocals, uh, fast raging punk music. 
another band called the victims vktms they were super duper early on the no vowels in your band name uh trend because this shit came out in 1979 the song is called midget and it's a female singer talking about how her boyfriend is a midget and is really good in bed so i'm sure that's not politically correct but you know I may, might make some people feel good about their lot in life. Uh, another band, uh, another, you know, he was like, her boyfriend's three foot three and, you know, he has a tongue like a, a pinball flipper. Um, breakouts. Uh, they have a song called Trouble. Trouble by the, by Breakouts. I shared it with Zach. I'm like, this isn't on Spotify, but it's so fucking good. So good. Kind of mid temp, mid tempo punk. Uh, a band called No Alternative. They have a song called Johnny's Got a Gun. It's like almost that, like it reminds song, me of social. That song rips. Yeah, you know it. Okay, yeah. it reminds me of Social Distortion. Like it reminds me of Mike if Mike Ness were singing it. Um, uh, super good. And then here goes Sweet Baby Jesus, uh, Free Beer, Model American, Los Olvidados, uh, um, Fang, Rebel Truth. Credence Clearwater Revival. Uh, <laughs> fuck it, why not? Nightstick Justice, uh, The Authorities, and The Shivering. There. Done. Boom. Jeremy, final word on NorCal. Oh. Who do we miss? <laughs> Fucking every Brian Stern band. Yeah. Dead and gone. Look back and laugh. Like, the man is still putting out good music. Mutilated Tongue record, I think, last year. Yeah. yeah look back and laugh were my uh, one that were, I only listed the things that were in my first pick. I've got a list of second picks, and look back and laugh would have been in my first pick if their LPs were on the fucking Spotify, but they're not. So I I left them off so we can make playlists that are listenable for the for the voting and everything. Now, do we pause the time? Because Daniel just ate a thirty seconds of my time. <laughs> yeah, and, and so <laughs> Bedge gets a bonus thirty after Jeremy. Okay, so model American for sure. No one's mentioned neurosis, Econoprise, pressure point, swinging udders. Oh my god! Fucking, um, this is a local band only. In that, all that stuff played such a huge part in the barrier for a period of time. They didn't really. No one cared for them outside of the barrier. They were such a Gilman band, and played such a big. Sammy played such a big part in the Bay Area hardcore scene between booking shows. Getting shows shut down, um, just being an all around <laughs> character. Um, and then Rely was the band from my high school that, and RJ's like my best friend. They played, he played such a big part in introducing me to so many friends. Again, another kind of local, well, Ben, you saw them, but like they played up and down California okay. at, at times. But yeah, doing another special point. Allegiance was another one. Yeah. Um, why I am this way the closeout song on their LP about his friend this girl who got a domestic abuse it's pretty fucking heavy and they always I think they always close their set with that because it was a pretty intense song for him personally I am going to speak again and I apologize it's cool we just had the this time and it's cool I'm, I'm about to throw myself out the window for not having wind spitting punk by Swinging Others, the slow song off the second LP. How the fuck is that not on my list? Like, I completely bypassed it when I was thinking about everything. And you know that song, right? 
it starts Damn. with the acoustic guitar yeah. and then it, it's great it's great you, oh it man like, you you made me a fan of that band yeah you made me a fan of that song because i've seen them multiple times and i'm not a fan of theirs at all but you kept raving about that song on this podcast and i i listened to it and i'm like well they have at least one great song and i added it to my playlist and i listen to it all, all, all the time so thank you yeah yeah oh, it, it was on my list the teenage genocide yeah. also yeah what the fuck you blew it yeah blow it capiche mm-hmm. yeah also uh every yeah. other song on powerhouse no regrets it's true well and doomsday device there's a whole unreleased doomsday device album which is right up your alley zach but because rick to life buddha's on it zoli's on it it's like all your favorite characters on it, one. It's Zach retaliates uh, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, <laughs> I, Pretty need, much. I need this thing. Send it to me. Oh, it's so good. I can't it's wait. It's so good. Christmas it's, came it's early. All, it's all the ignorance you would want. So uh, yeah, and that's Eddie, right? It's Eddie's band. No, Ernie's band. Ernie sang. Oh. Eddie played in it, and then um, a whole bunch of different characters coming in and out of it. Walter played in it for a bit. I need it. I need it. But it was the party band for sure. That rules. Yeah. All right. Well, I had fun on this episode. I think that we we covered a wide spectrum. You know, seven is never enough, but going over two hours is too much. And so this was this was a nice a nice amount. I think we covered it. And, I think people uh, checked out after no use for a name, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> My fault. I tried to keep that part quick. But uh, hey, you got to be true to yourself on these lists. I think that's all. Uh, you do, unlike Ben on the. Um, uh, I'm not picking G. Revelation. Revelation. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ben on Revelation. So controversial. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone, and be sure to follow us on social media. Uh, 185 miles south. Daniel will post the lists on probably Thursday, and uh, Wednesday, Thursday, or Saturday, because you know Friday is all about Daniel DJing. Check them out on Twitch. How do they watch, Daniel? Twitch TV, uh, twitch.tv slash DJ underscore Daniel underscore FITB. Every Friday at 6.30. I know it's not that easy, but GeoCities. No, there's so many other names taken. So basically. Was DJ underscore underscore taken? Well, all you have to do is go to the bio in my at Southpaw Instagrammer IG, and you can click the link there, hit follow on Twitch, and then you get a notification when I'm going live, and then you come on in and you fucking love it. Yeah, boogie in your house. What's up, fools? All right, thanks for listening, and uh, much respect to NorCal. Love it. Every time I go up, it's the best. Um so many good memories of God, Jesus, every show that I went to. Uh, Did you watch the fight at the strife powerhouse show outside? Yeah, but it gets like, it gets like melted into my brain. Cause I felt like every single time I went, there was always like some either pull apart or like someone's getting like chased down the block. But yeah, I, I, I saw that. That was an epic one. Yeah. That's but, very North though. Like still to this day, the, and in order to, well, Actually, Jeremy was in a fight at Gilman not that long ago and got mad at me because I didn't even know he was in a fight and we didn't get his back until the very last Jeff and Daniel, arms folded. (laughs) Yeah, I was there at the floor punch one too. 
So uh, that was that was a hell of a night. Tell you that. That was a great night. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks for doing it, dudes. And everyone, we'll talk to you on Monday.